This podcast contains strong language. Listeners, be advised. Well, you like friends and you like food. So how about friends with food? With Zoe and Heather. Welcome. This is Friends with Food, the podcast about the show Friends and recipes inspired by it. We are your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Heather. And today our guest is Kyle Clark. Kyle is a stand-up comedian. Oh, hello. Oh God, I've messed it up immediately. You're Ah. perfect. (laughs) I got so excited. (laughs) Kyle is a stand-up comedian and writer from LA. He is also the host of the This Is Rad podcast. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Oh crap. I wish could I do that again? <laughs> oh, I, I yes. Blew the, I blew the hello. Sorry. I'm messing it all up. Halo. Damn. Damn. Halo. Just, it's all right. We'll do we'll just, just why we tape rehearsal. That's uh, right. <laughs> hello, fellow humans. Yeah. <laughs> Greetings, earthlings. <laughs> Kyle, thank you for being here. Thank Kyle, you for having me. Um, and I met um last year. What yeah, is Yeah, that was time? last this was this time last year. How there crazy wow. is that? That's insane. We did a a show that was a all virtual play. A virtual play that was all virtual uh for Town Hall Theater in Lafayette, one of my favorite theaters to perform Mm. at. And it was a virtual play uh, based on the book called Fantastic Land. And which Kyle, you were a big fan of the book. Yeah, I have a weird run with it. I had kind of impulse picked up the book on tape, like when I was in a real kind of low spot. And just sort of like lived in it for two days. And it's just, I, I occasionally my like online ads really know how to pander to me. So it was like, Ooh, scary book about theme parks. We understand the four things you search for <laughs> uh, nice. and, and fell in love with it. And then on my show, this is rad. We do a, a thing called the weekly rad and uh, it's me and my co-host recommend something. And I had done that just as a weekly rad. Cause I loved it so much and really just talked about how great I thought the book was. And, and I guess a large portion of our listenership not only bought it, but then also started sharing it. Oh, wow. And there ended up being this kind of weird run. Influencer. And then one day I am at work and I see an email and it is from Mike Bakovin, the author. And he's like, hi, my name's Mike Bakovin. I am an author. And people have alerted me to the fact that you seem to be telling people to buy my book. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Who are you and what are you doing? And Actually, it wasn't even who are you because that was even, it was even weirder because I used to be on the Nerdist podcast and Hmm. Mike had listened used to listen to that so he'd heard me on that before so it was that wasn't even who are you it's like why and how did the guy from nerdist read my book uh, and That's so we, funny we hit it off and and i i am a kind of an aspiring horror writer along with being a stand-up comedian and stuff and and so and he's you know been a very encouraging guy he's a very talented writer and then he had said something about fantastic land was going to be uh because i've like thrown it to some people in the industry i just want this book to be everything i just want i want fantastic land to be on everyone's mind all the time and uh i wish i felt as strong about any of my own work as i do about my book (laughs) and so uh, yeah yeah and he was like hey they're doing a virtual play of it would you want to throw in an audition i'm like oh sure and my thought was like i'm the friend of the author and I'm going to come in and be the guy who's like, I sure wish we could get out of fantastic land. And just like the bad cameo <laughs> line. So then I sent in the thing and it was like, oh, cool, fun. They let me do the thing. And then 
they they called me back and they called me back for my favorite character in the book. So it was this oh, kind of yes. insane. And they don't know that, that it just was total happenstance. And then Heather and I are one, in one of the handful of scenes where we all got to work together on Zoom. Fun. And I immediately went full nerd on Heather. I am not an actor. I am a comedian <laughs> and a writer, but I like performing. And like mm -hmm. when it was like, oh, acting, I'm gonna act the shit out of this because it's COVID and I have nothing else in my life. Uh, so like, I, I went real deep on the character and I, because most of my monologue is about her, I was mm. like, man, it's cool to see your face the first time we met online because it was like, I've been thinking about your character the entire <laughs> time I've been doing this and kind of go off in this long psychological thing about our characters and how cathartic it is and like, like you know, all these things. And she's at the end of it is just clearly like a little overwhelmed from my weird intensity to a stranger and was like, Amazing. yes, yes, being in this play is fun. That was me going... I didn't read the book. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't agree know with your you played. assessment of it. <laughs> and had a, you know, 16 minute monologue and kind of focused on that. Didn't really <laughs> focus on anything else. So cool. Good to know. <laughs> and sorry. Um, but it was fun when then obviously when it came out and then watching it and being like, oh, oh so much fun. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, obviously. It was, you know, we've stayed in touch. Kyle has been a super helpful person for Zoe and I have, as we have Gotta help them podcast buddies. That's yeah. right. Uh, as we That's dove right. into this podcast. So it felt really exciting to, to get to a point where we could have you on and have yeah. our guests. full circle. Love it. Fantastic. So Kyle, let me ask you this before we dive too much further in. What is your relationship to the show? Oh, Friends? Here we go. Let's All get right. into it. So I, I am not a fan of Friends. Sure. But back in the day, I watched one full season of Friends and one season only. And mm. I do not know why. And I, I like I've never been able to really track it. So <laughs> I knew about Friends and like the fun theme song. And like it was the first this is, I'm trying to think how to say this where it doesn't sound like weird and insane, but like it was the first t-shirt that I saw girls wear like of a hmm. thing, like of a TV show. Sure. If that makes sense. Like yeah, I knew that like does in elementary no, school, like yeah. new girls who were like, I got a friend's t-shirt the way that you have a dinosaur. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so for whatever reason that had always stuck with me of like, this sounds weird from a child, but like, Oh, this show has reach. Like it's getting, you know, merch onto children. Uh, oh, totally. Because I was weirdly like, like, th like the I like meta of like the entertainment industry was like interesting to me as a kid, because there's just all these like weird layers of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, but the so the season I watched was the Emily season where Ross and Emily are together and engage and it ends with take me take the Rachel. Uh, <gasps> oh. and, but again, never came back for how it was resolved. I understand in the end, Ross and Rachel end up together and I'm thrilled for that. Feel a little bad for Emily, but overall, I hope things worked out. But I so for whatever reason, because that's also the season where like like you find out that Monica and Chandler get together. Like there's a lot that goes on there. Well, that's a really convenient season for this current podcast for you to have watched because that's that's season four. Oh, okay. And we're talking about season five. 
Yeah. So oh, you're so like, you're what you should do. Oh, so I'm yeah. right in the neighborhood afterwards. Ah, yeah. Okay. So what so you just need to do, yeah. why don't you take a moment, go listen to our other 15 episodes <laughs> and, um, and then it you'll be up to speed. You about 35 hours. Okay. It'll be fine. Cool. It'll be light. So <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are Dune numbers for length of audio. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, the most efficient way for you to get caught up to here. So I'd you say. guys yeah. have started on episode one for season five. Like you're just running through right. season five. That's correct. I, first of all, I love it. Like yeah. that's, that's a solid call. You're not having to deal with a pilot. The show's really nice and cooking and moving. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like I, you know, when we started this project, I was like, okay, well, I'm not committing to doing 10 years of podcasting about friends. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just not ready to make that commitment. I don't really want to start in season one because it's just not the best season. Like, you know, with TV shows, it really takes a few seasons for them to kind of find their flow. And as a fan of Star Trek, the next generation, I got you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, the costumes are weird in the beginning, all that stuff. Uh, So anyways, we just, and actually on a recent, not that recent anymore, but some years back now, I did a, a rewatch of Friends and I randomly ended up starting in season five and like watched to the end and then went back to the beginning and watched. And mm. I was just like, you know what? I think season five is the season to go. So anyways, that's what we're doing. Nice. This is Apex Friends. Like Friends is is mm-hmm. effing Friends at this point. Yeah. So let me ask you this about about uh, your watching of season four. Was that like when it was airing? When or it was, was airing. That... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you and you've never watched it since. That's it. Not at all. I, I love that. I normally, I don't watch a ton of sitcoms. Like I can mm-hmm. probably count on one hand, like, like single cameras, maybe a little more, but like with multicams, very, very few. Well, and, they're not really made anymore, you yeah. know? And I and, feel like the ones that are made nowadays are bad. Yeah. I got a hot is, pitch I for think, you, though. I oh. think they're going to come back. Yeah. I think we've been in single camera comedy so long that it's kind of stale to look at. And I think mm-hmm. if you got some really interesting angles and writers, the, the thing I'm really using is like, did you guys watch the One Day at a Time reboot on Netflix? No, mm-hmm. I heard about Holy it. Holy crap, I have it's good. Yeah. It yeah. is. And, and I literally am watching it going like, oh yeah, like this is, we are five years from like a multi-cam revival where the coolest thing you can do is make a multi-cam. Like I'm, totally. I'm starting to see it. So it's, it's why I think even doing this, it was fun to watch it to yeah. see like what the kind of like, you know, the, the standard by which all things are judged, you know, like this kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, the same way, like, a, you know, something like, I don't know, all in the family takes it from Desi and Lucy and hands mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, for better or worse, the Cosby show and then handing from sure. this as far as being like the, you know, the, how a sitcom flows for a decade. Right. Yeah. And so like, you know, and it was, uh, I got your guys' sheet. Do every single episode have an A, B, and C plot? Is this a thing that I've just unaware of structure wise? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, pretty much it's, you know, it's a structure and like all structures, it doesn't always, you know, there are exceptions, but gotcha. um, okay. that is general sitcom structure. Sometimes I- depending on the show, there might just be an A and a B or something like that, but yeah. And um, I feel like at least with this show, a lot of the times, I think because it is such an ensemble cast. And it's six characters. Yeah, that there's often times where we're like, I don't know, they all kind of felt important. Or like sometimes this, the threads are pretty evenly or, split. Or sometimes yeah. it's episodes like this where the Phoebe subplot borderline doesn't exist. And so well, they give right. it the title of the episode because it's three scenes. Well, I'm like a C, a C <laughs> plot. It, well, I know, right? It's like so weird that they named the episode after that 
plot because it, it's it like, would have been better if it was like the couch episode well Remember right that and part? i feel like that's how pe- that's how we like people that are familiar with the show that's probably how they would refer to this episode mm-hmm. like the pivot episode it should be whatever. called pivot but yeah right i did not know until like literally a year ago that all friends episodes are titled the one the with. one with had yeah. no idea mind blown yeah so oh, yeah I have one more relationship with friends thing, just because it's, it's going to be a low grade humble brag. I Let's love it. it. I have met two, two members of the friends cast. Matthew Perry, for sure. Nah, dog. And I wish I could meet him. He seems fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why. This is the first one. It's uh, uh, David Schwimmer and Lisa Kudrow. <gasps> nice. Both Honestly, a delight. Not, Kudrow, not mad about cool those. AF. Yeah. Honestly, Lisa Kudrow is like such a hero to me. Yeah. yeah. Hero, this and Romeo and Michelle, opposite of mm. sex. Like, what a cool ass career. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. She's incredible. And then, uh, you know, and then so she was, she was super chill. And then I was like, because again, I don't know David Schwimmer outside of the concept of Ross. So I was mm. expecting Ross. Instead, he's just sort of soft spoken, cool guy. It was for when he was doing that Feed the Beast show. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but real kind of just quiet, friendly, but so it's just, you know, when I can come on to a thing where it's a thing, it's exciting when I can be like, ah, I got two friends. In the That's back. pretty I'm exciting. For you, Perry. I want at least half. I love this. <laughs> there That's you go. Fantastic. Wonderful. Um, well, yes, yeah, so we can get more into, I was just going to keep talking about the ABC I tell one more dumb stuff? thing. So I'm yeah, just having ahead. all these, I haven't thought of friends in so many years, but here's another That's one perfect. that again, I don't know if there's another podcast where I can share this on. So I'm just trying to, I'm doing friends brain dump. That's great. I love uh, it. The gas station closest to my house that I've been going to since I learned to drive. One, it has photos in front of it. Mostly it's of cool cars, but the one celebrity photo with the little owner guy that is there is him with Matt LeBlanc. And it is cute as hell. Oh, that's so cute. That's great. I love that. I just imagine that owner just had this proud moment. Oh, he's like, he's so stoked. Matt LeBlanc pumps his gas and buys Snickers too. Yeah. No, there's celebrities. They're just like us. <laughs> they're just like us. Love that. Okay, great. Well, let's, uh, yeah, before we dive too much more into like the comedy stuff, let's go into, we like to talk about kind of like the cultural context of the time of what was happening when this episode aired. And as we kind of mentioned, the episode we're covering is the one with the cop and it aired on, it first aired on February 25th, 1999. So do we have any news headlines to discuss from that day. Heather, did you grab anything? I did. Let's hear it. The headline is, will the 2000 bug gobble the veggies? Yes. Let's hear more Y2K. about that. Yeah, it's the first Y2K. article I've seen referencing Y2K. Oh, really? In, yeah, in, in the you know last handful of months that we've been looking at articles. I mean, look, I, you guys I haven't- remember. Oh, I like, remember. That show was wild. That show it was, was wild. Crazy. We and thought we didn't know it was going to go down. Exactly. And this article is talking basically about how they're worried that um, it referenced. Okay. The reference that this article is referring to is that there was, at one point, there was an announcement that broccoli sprouts contain high levels of sulfur. For a cancer-fighting compound, that announcement set off such a frenzy that worldwide supplies of basically broccoli variety seeds uh, were wiped out within 48 hours. So because of that, they're worried that people are going to freak out because of Y2K Ah. and are going to all of the seeds 
are going to. So you're saying they were wiped out, as in like they were just all sold. Like I mean, they were all preppers sold. were going to buy them. Okay, and we were yeah. Have it became. I think the idea was like farm. It like became a fad. Like oh, everyone now knows that broccoli seeds. It's fun when you look back when we think we have very modern problems to see that like <laughs> weird preppers and scarcity fear is just literally always existing. Well, yeah. I was gonna say like it obviously it reminds me of it like all the toilet paper like yeah. issues right. that we experienced in the beginning of COVID, which I still think is hilarious. Like the thing that's particularly hilarious to me about that is that all the world experienced COVID. The United States only experienced the crazy toilet paper <laughs> shortages of like overstocking. Like no other country. Yeah, was doing that. That was just for monsters. Anyway, so that's, it, look, that's the ultimate tragedy is I thought we were going to get everybody on to bidets, and it didn't happen. Oh, man, and there's some really... people with a lot of stock in bidets right now. Disappointed, <laughs> but sometimes you think you see a good business venture, and mostly you just become disappointed with the butts of Americans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it was just being worried that everyone's going to run that we're going to run out of seeds because everyone's going to buy everything up. Love when the message of an article is be worried. Oh my gosh. Well, right. <laughs> there, there is a quote, right. there is a quote within it kind of our that thing. said it's extreme to suggest that people will run out of seed because, because of Y2K. So they're not, not saying it. They're like, basically saying maybe they're still saying but those words, knows? though. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, is it, just, is just it a good throwing idea shit to out. Say like, they're just saying random happen? things. I yeah. don't know. It's the I'm... article version of I'm just saying. <laughs> just well, asking questions. They're just like asking questions. Look, um, my profession is in is in seed harvesting and gardening, but I also want to write an article about Y2K. So here's my <laughs> article. <laughs> I did want to also share an article that I found and we've kind of talked a lot about how like compared to the way the news is now the news seemed like kind of boring in 98 99 mm. I mean obviously there's like a lot of Clinton stuff we got Columbine coming up war. in a few months so. yeah I don't think it was Columbine hadn't happened yet wasn't yeah I was about to say in April April 20th, 1999. Right. So this the is like a Columbine, like we're all well, right. Yeah. Before <laughs> well, that. Well, but the, and that's like, it's funny because like there, I'm obsessed with that window, like historically at this point, because it's like early 99, it's like, man, things are just rolling. And like, well, we hit that one bump. Things seem messed up, but oh, we've got this, this thing. And the whole time they're just like, man, the world is crazy, but luckily everything's fine. And it's just this game where it's like the race to get to September 11th. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And so like, <laughs> for example, the race. Horrible race, by the way. No, thank you. Worst race. Oh, yeah. No one one wins. (laughs) Everyone lost. So, for example, you know, this is February 25th, 1999. This this article that I'm about to read you the headline of was on the cover of the New York Times. Hell yes. Just to, like, paint a picture of, like, what was considered to be important at that time. It says, city seeks to collar dogs that run free. And it was an article about how a lot of people in New York now, it's fashionable to have big dogs and people are letting their dogs off leash and and other people don't like that. And and they're attacking joggers and peeing on things. And they're going to, you know, it was around this time, like they were doing a lot of like quality, like the cops in New York were doing a lot of like quality of life policies of like um, ticketing people for jaywalking, kind of like the broken windows thing or whatever, where it's like, if you, if you kind of like, you know, are really strict on like the little things that will just like help the city have better peace and quiet or whatever. And so it's like, (laughs) It's this whole just article city governments like, are like, why can't we be Singapore? Oh my god, it's a, this article is insane because like it is 
everything is so dramatic in this article. They're talking about like I saw that article. I saw that article. It was wild. Like they're like the tyranny of the minority that chooses to have dogs, and then the other like the dog owners are like, or oh yeah, here's a quote: "You might call them dog terrorists." One New Yorker. Yes. You know what? They probably wouldn't do that for much longer though. Well, they wouldn't (laughs) use that word. You can't really be throwing that word around after (laughs) September 11th, right? And like. They're just talking about how like it's unnat like dogs must be off leash and it's unnatural oh and of course if you're going to enforce these ridiculous laws there's not going to be compliance and it's like if you won't need to have like twelve giant dogs maybe don't live in the middle of Manhattan like yeah. what you- anyway that's like my personal cars. we're doing this to not kill your dog <laughs> it's just right. like it's not good for anyone anyway I mean I have opinions on like city dog owners I don't think it's like wrong to own a dog if you live in a city but I think that like a lot of people are doing it in a way Wait, that I don't personally that approve of. Should be uh, responsible for their animals. Well, right, and also like, what's the dog's like quality of life at a certain like? Right, anyway, whatever. That's a whole other like. I don't want to get too in the weeds on that because like I live in Seattle, where like ninety nine point nine percent of the people around me are dog owners who are like very or actually just dogs. That, that drink <laughs> there's dogs. The city is mostly dogs, so yeah. I really can't. People like, don't get know too about much. that. <laughs> It, yeah, it makes the highest literacy rate in the country even more impressive. It's very <laughs> impressive. There are more dogs than children in the There city are a of lot Seattle. of good boys and good girls in that town. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyways, I don't want to get too into like that because I'm not like anti-dog or anything like that. But it was just like a really <laughs> funny article that was like, it's a really like, it's like a long article too. Yeah. It's like, what are we? It was extreme. Is- it's on the cover of the New York Times. There was one, there was one thing I read about it. There was this whole thing about like, oh, we're going to use cell phones to track or to take pictures or I don't know if video on cell phones were at this point. Yeah. So take pictures of things. And someone was like, using cell phones. And it was, I don't remember the quote, but it was someone outraged that they were going to use cell phones to monitor this. And I was like, wow. That's pretty wild. Just calm down, everyone. This one person says, I'm tired all the time. I take naps because I know I'm going to be awakened the next morning. I blame dog owners. They must know they are waking people, but they don't give a damn. To which I'm like, guy, oh you God. live in New York City. Like, what are you? The, oh, yeah, that's I'm the, used to the peace and quiet of the that's city. Bothering you. <laughs> the city that sleeps at 615. The city that's always asleep, famously. Yeah, yeah. famously. The quietest, sleepiest hamlet you can oh find. Wow. Manhattan. So insane. I, I take naps during the day. What was that like, I have to nap because I know I'll be awakened by these dogs. I think like, that person has like a chronic illness. <laughs> it's like called anti-dog disease i clearly like, you might need to like see a neurologist i don't know what to tell you uh, that's wild i'm so anyway, glad you brought that yeah that was what i had yeah so should we move on to the song God, yes. so the song that was at number one this week is again as last week and i believe as the week before mm-hmm. angel of mine by monica there we go This is what's fun with this too, is you're going to get some juggernauts where just like songs tear for weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Cause that's that like last golden age of like full tilt record industry. Cause again, like, cause again, like Napster shows up before the end of the year. Right. Like this is truly the last moment where like CDs are going to be around forever and keep us very, very wealthy because they'll be very expensive. Oh, my gosh. Like it's such a it's such a beautiful just like image of so many things. Also, that song slaps. 
It does. <laughs> it truly does. Can't go wrong there. It's funny because we have had a few songs that have, of course, been on for a while, including Monica's other song, um, The First Night, which Ooh. was on for like five weeks, like the first like bunch of weeks of our podcast. When do we get The Boy too. Is Mine? Yeah, that's a good that's question. When did that after. song come out? Because um, Monica is like owning the charts right now, clearly. Because yeah, man, 90s <laughs> R&B when it's just yeah, like, what if then, we just just crush it for forever? And then yeah, Brandy was um, had her week on the chart too with uh, uh, Have You Ever? Have Ooh. You Never? What was it called? I think Have You Ever. Have You Ever, I believe. Yeah. The Boy Is Mine came out in May of 98. So I think oh, okay. so that, that was be that. before so that was like we started recording. Summer, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they're both killing. And yeah, right. it's a, it's been a lot of R&B, which is like interesting. Because you, you guys are doing like the main Hot 100, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the, the pop and the rock and the R&B charts are such like it's it's such an interesting time because there's so much diversity across mm-hmm. each kind totally. of genres charts and it's the pre kind of cold playification of everything oh totally that's um, so true it's the pre like white boy takeover of like whatever where it's just just soft light elevator music kind of rolls across all for a while but right. like you know i i do wonder sometimes if it's how much again this is coming from from bearded white guy ignorance but like how much like Mm -hmm. i'll be missing you then kind of leads into just sort of the full overtake of of Mm. like r&b in like the Mm -hmm. late 90s because i just think like that's one of those songs that i just remember you could not be anywhere and not here and like i'm curious if that sort of like going through everyone was like we should just like all just play sweet r&b jams all the time everywhere (laughs) It's just so funny is like you think about again how we're saying like it was such a pure time in the yeah. news. Well, and rock then... and rap are also so aggro at that point too. So I could see that being and pop yeah. is going full tilt like boy band teen music. Mm-hmm. So it also kind of makes sense because they're just like, hey, adult contemporary and R&B have just got to hang up everything, I guess, right now. Everyone's just like, we need to relax, man. Like, yeah, yeah. it's really funny. Really, really interesting time to reflect on for Indeed. sure. Should we move on to the movie of yeah. the week? Ooh. So the movie that I saw that was number one this week was Eight Millimeter with Hell good old, yeah. good old Nikki Cage. Can we talk about that movie for a second here? Please tell me about it because I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. First, of I was all, excited knowing Kyle that you're into like absolutely weirdo horror movies. I was Look, like, I bet Kyle's seen this. Eight Millimeter is a trash movie it is it looks that like, way yeah. it, it is looks like it's exploitive like it's weird yeah. it's also like a camp classic that is absolutely worth watching are you guys familiar with the film hardcore with george c scott from like the late 70s early 80s i'm gonna have to say no on it's that. A, i don't think it's so. a semi-similar hardcore is about a father who goes to try to find his missing daughter in los angeles and finds out she was in adult films and stuff like that this one's more like like sure. him looking at this piece of footage and searching for who shot and stuff like that the thing that nobody tells about this movie because me and the nine other people who remember it uh <laughs> can't, can't get to everyone his partner in crime who agrees to start helping him try to solve this murder and find this eight millimeter is a very young Joaquin Phoenix yeah. playing oh, a yes. goth who works at like a sex shop yeah oh my god amazing and in the trailer he's wearing a shirt that has fake tattoos on it yes. and I couldn't oh figure out if they were trying to make it look like he was shirtless with fake tattoos or if it was actually a choice that Joaquin Phoenix's character was wearing a shirt with tattoos. You know what and I mean? I'll be like, honest. I have no idea which it is. So exactly. that should tell you something about the movie in general. Like, <laughs> wow. I was like, I don't know which direction they're going here. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a good CD double feature, I would recommend eight millimeter and the film autofocus. 
uh, mm. about the guy from Hogan's Heroes who got into like making his own like adult films and stuff like that. Both are very seedy major studio Hollywood films that are as weird as they are like kind of campy and insane. Amazing. I'm looking uh, at that. 99 is like the too. crazy movie year though too, where it's yeah. just like, yeah, you know, just, and it's weird because it's like just across the board, like, you know, yeah. Matrix, Sixth Sense, Fight Club, the movie formerly known as American Beauty. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the, God there's yeah. like two or three other ones. Like, like my brain sometimes just reels at 99. Like the number of times I'm like, that's a great movie. When did that come out? Oh, also 99. Mm-hmm. My God. So weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, episode one. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Episode one of Star Wars came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. What oh a my year. God. It's, it's been a weird, awesome. I mean, just the beginning of this year has been Patch Adams, a civil action, Varsity Blues, She's All That, Payback, Message in a Bottle, God, 8 I millimeter. Saw every one of like, these things too. Like, all it's of just these funny movies go, are like, so all over the place. Absolutely. You know? totally. So it's, it's, and then, yeah, as we get into the rest of this year, things bigger as some of those titles that you said come in to play as well so it's just it's fascinating it's crazy to see how many of those either were like because i think like some of those like i think a civil action's got to be like either a holdover or that or it's like a january dump which would be interesting but like it's wild it was early january Mm -hmm. oh damn okay they were just like oh this has got to go um (laughs) for people who don't know they put out the movies they don't want you to see in january Oh, oh, that's funny. I did not know that. Oh, yes. Uh, but like, it's always crazy to me, like when you look at like the Sixth Sense was like an August release, which is the summer version where you kind of like dump your summer movies. Right. Or whatever. And then I believe it's like the number one movie for like the next two months or something like that. Yeah. Because like, it's weird crazy. that there's been so many in the first chunk because it's like. Yeah, it's like ma- every it's like week. Matrix until Star Wars. And then it's like Star Wars until the Sixth Sense. Right. Well, don't spoil it for our listeners, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have access to just, the internet like we do. <laughs> I just want to get ahead of this prequel talk. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I watched the trailer for 8mm and it looked bad and weird and creepy. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It is all those things. It's also mm-hmm. so campy. Like, it's yeah. a real... Yeah, it, it's it. I mean, it's in the Nick Cage canon. Like, it well, is. Well, I was gonna say, hasn't solid... he made like a thousand like interchangeable movies that are like mm-hmm. that? They're all great. They're all yeah. Nick Cage. Like, Don't buy dinosaur great. bones, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's, anyways, my sister in law and her fiance have been watching every Nick Cage movie, so I'll have to ask them what they thought of Eight Millimeter. But that's what's wild is like you're gonna see a lot of garbage, but you're also probably gonna see ten or eleven of the best films ever made in that yeah. run. And so like that's <laughs> like you're gonna watch anything. I can't even think because all his movie fake movies have like such like generic names. Right. Like you're also <laughs> like, you're also seriously. gonna watch like Moonstruck, like <laughs> right. But also Mandy. Several days later, like what oh a crazy God. what a ride. It's intense. He's yeah, had quite a career. Yeah. Alrighty. So. Should we dive into the episode? Anything else about 1999 before we get in there? I do have the Nielsen ratings. Ah, yes. Tell us. Nothing too wild to report. I think in our last episode, we talked about how ER was had a lot of views because mm-hmm. Clooney was leaving. Right. Oh. So I was curious how that was going to affect this week, but no major waves this week. So we've got ER number one with 30.26 million. That's truly unfathomable well and the week prior was like 35 million or something yeah. so these numbers are pretty standard but yeah if a show had 35 million now would be the most successful show in the planet 
I mean, yeah. it was like, ER. Like Big Bang did like ten, or like twenty, <laughs> wow. and it's cool. crazy apexes. Like it's the 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 numbers on TV ratings when you look back that long ago now are truly like staggering. Like that is truly where you see like the way like TV as a landscape has changed. Yeah. Well, and we talk about this because like at that time, it's like it was really just more of like a monoculture that and like everyone watched the same. Like there just weren't as many options, so everyone right. knew the same things culturally. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't, you know, if you wanted to watch something at a later date, you had to tape, tape it. it on your VHS. Yeah. Remember tape and stuff? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, ER 30.26 million, Friends coming in second at 26.02 million, and Frasier coming in third at 25.57 million. Frasier just a juggernaut. Yeah, which is so crazy because that show is so weird. I mean, I love that show, actually, but... My girlfriend has yeah. just hit me to it. She's a fan of it. And it's a thing that, like, I know about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kelsey Grammer's my world because it's side Joe Bob and stuff. And yeah, I'm in the same boat. I turned to her like, how is this the most popular show I know. in the world for it's such so a long weird. time? It is the 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 least accessible show I can imagine. Oh, it's such like an old man show. My, it's like, it's so weirdly boring, but also really funny. I mean, it, it's classic sitcom humor. Yeah. My friend did get a great t-shirt that is the Frasier logo, but with Japanese. And what it says underneath in Japanese is retired cop has two gay sons. <laughs> That's it. That's like the, the concept pitch for the show. Like, I started telling me that and going, like, Jesus, that's a quick breakdown. Yeah. Oh my God. Just like, you <laughs> what know, efficient like, words. Envision it and that's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's such a weird show. Um, So the episode that we are talking about today, as I mentioned, is the one with the cop. Heather, would you read us the synopsis? Synopsis for us. Yes, Ooh, I will. Can we just like run that clip every episode when Hell you yeah. do the synopsis? <laughs> I love that. Great. So the synopsis is Joey has a dream about Monica and becomes convinced that he is in love with her. Meanwhile, Phoebe finds a police badge in Central Park and Ross tries to get his new sofa into his apartment. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say two of them are accurate, but doesn't Joey more decide he's in love with Rachel? Oh, well, I see what you're saying. I think that is like, I think that is a secondary strategy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'll be honest i didn't write anything down for the a b and c plot because it felt like many of these episodes that there were some that were a little it it felt like phoebe's storyline as as kind of we've talked about has was probably like this c or the the runner which feels silly that this whole episode is called that but I, I thought that Ross's storyline and Joey with everyone else sort of felt even. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this with this show before, since it is more of an ensemble show and there's no one main character really, mm-hmm. although sometimes one character is like the main character of the episode or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it does. A lot of times it does feel a lot more evenly split. If there's like a show like for example, Frasier, where like Frasier is about Frasier. So generally the A plot is whatever is going on with Frasier. And then there'll be a B and maybe even a C plot that are going on with like the more tertiary characters. Mm -hmm. With this show, it is a little bit more muddled. And I do agree. And and Heather, it kind of reminds me of, I think we've had some other episodes like this too, where it kind of feels like 
the Joey thing was sort of the first part of the episode and then kind of phased out and like the Ross thing kind of ramped up and sort of overtook the second part of the episode Mm -hmm. I guess I kind of felt like Joey's deal was the a plot mostly just because Mm -hmm. it was like the cold open I think agreed and so it kind of like that's what sort of like was the inciting incident for like the whole episode I was legit gonna ask that question is like what you saw is like the a plot and I came to the the exact same conclusion for the exact same reason so it's Mm -hmm, super interesting because it makes me wonder like how conscious they are of that when they're like hey this one doesn't really have a central so like let's lock down a real solid first scene uh, and then we'll just make it look like we wrap around in the end of the episode. <laughs> and like thinking to like, just imagine, and ma- of course I'm just making this up, but just imagine, imagining like the writer's room, I'm just imagining like, they just came up with like a funny idea for a scene for like the cold open, you know, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could picture that happening. And then they're like, oh, let's just like riff off of that. And like, this is also one where like all three of them of the like plots or whatever felt pretty like unrelated for the most part. Yeah. Like they didn't really see a lot of times like the C plot will like tie into the A plot somehow or something like that. But they really all kind of seemed like their own thing to the point that like, so it's interesting because, you know, even for the podcast, I'll, I watch these episodes several times because I'll watch it like earlier on when I'm kind of coming up with the food ideas and then I'll watch it right before we record and like really like think about it a little bit more carefully and in rewatching it more carefully I almost was having a hard time keeping track of the timelines of where mm-hmm. each character was and why and where and like why certain ones weren't there or whatever. It, it's weird that they throw Chandler into the couch story to give him a little more to do. Yeah, right. But, yeah. Also, but it's think, interesting, but that ends up being the highlight of the episode is to yeah. me is the pivot moment. And so it's weird because that's the plot line that truly feels like it has nothing to do with anything. Oh, for sure. And I feel I mean, like they could have taken any of these plot lines and put them in other episodes. Exactly. It was just like a cut and paste type. Like, Yeah. So I, I always wonder about that because I feel like, like Zoe, what you were saying, there's some episodes where two different plots sort of connect. And then the third bit could have been from anywhere, could have been anything. And I'm yeah. sure the writers have, they have to have all of those in the back pocket, right? So that oh, they can sure. keep writing you know, a hundred episodes per season or whatever. And, (laughs) and so it's interesting. This one felt the most disconnected. I mean, it was great. It was so funny. I, I didn't really care, but it felt, it felt the most sitcom-y or, or sort of like season, season one, like early seasons where it was less story-based well, right. So like with a super episodic sitcom mm-hmm. that just like resets to square one every time and there's zero overarching like plot. Yeah. It felt a little bit more like that, I think is what you're saying. Whereas yeah. like this season, it's a little bit more serialized in the sense that like there is an overarching plot, like character arcs for some characters. And there's like some overarching things that are happening in the story. I do think it's interesting. It's funny because when Chandler showed up to help move the couch and I mean, they even commented on it. Like Ross is yeah. like Chandler. You brought Chandler. Next best thing to Joey would have been Monica. And Chandler's like, well, I can't really argue with you there or whatever. That was a great joke. Yeah, Yeah. which I thought was great. And it was kind of a nice like check and dismiss because in my brain, I was like, why is Chandler there? But Mm -hmm. then like, I realized like, and I mean, they're all, I think all the characters are funny in their own ways, all that. They're all my favorite children, whatever. But like Chandler really is kind of like the funny guy. And like, he's hilarious in that scene. So it's like, oh, well, they just wanted Chandler to be there. So they kind of like. He's uh, Grandpa Simpson a little bit. 
Like the Simpsons oh players God. always talk about how if you <laughs> Grandpa Simpson in a scene, a joke is going to happen with him at the end of the scene. Mm, right, and it's, right. And it's kind of a great thing. Like there are like Parks and Rec does it sometimes too. And like, I feel like most good sitcoms were like, Certain characters in a scene, you're just like, oh, the end of the scene is just going to be they're going to do something funny having to do with this. Yeah, or, you, you know, he's Andy's like a button, machine. For that he's like a button yeah. machine, right? Like, yeah. that's his deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. So just to like for our listeners to give a little bit more of just deets on what is actually happening in the episode. So basically, um, the thing with Joey is he so now Monica and Chandler's relationship is newly like out in the open to the front mm-hmm. so they don't have to be sneaky. So Joey sees Monica and Chandler just being like lovey-dovey, cutesy, whatever, doing a crossword puzzle. And then he has a dream that night that like Monica's sitting on his lap and doing a crossword puzzle with him, which by the way, Joey, dream Joey, like thinking that he's being smart. Like Joey's (laughs) idea of what it's like to be smart is hysterical. But anyways, we can get more into the jokes. But um, Joey wakes up from the dream and then he has this like shocked look on his face and he's like, thinks he's in love with Monica because he had this like awkward dream about her basically. And then he acts like super weird around her. And finally they call him out and they're like, what's going on? And he's like, I had this dream and I'm in love with Monica. And they're like, you're not in love with Monica. You just, maybe you just want that with someone. Maybe you want a girlfriend. You want a little bit more of an intimate relationship. And then they're saying um, what was different with them or what they're saying is, um, you know, the difference between like them and, and Joey, just his relationships, we'll say. Right. Cause he's like, I can get a girlfriend. That's not a problem. Right. Right. They try to explain to him that, oh, they were friends first. So they have like a friendship, which is a good like foundation for the, what they call, what they keep referring to as the closeness, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I didn't like whatever it was weird, but closeness. um, So then Joey takes that to mean that he should make one of his friends into his girlfriend. And so as he says to Rachel, I saw you first, you know, (laughs) who are my friends? You and Phoebe, I saw you first. So he tries to start hitting on Rachel and Rachel's like, honey, I think what you need to do is meet someone, get to know them, build a foundation and then like start dating them, not hit on your existing friends. So he didn't quite get that nuance. And then he ends up being all mad because he tried to do that. And he ended up just having a threesome with these two girls because, (laughs) Oh, he, uh, in his words, you didn't give me a, you know, you didn't give me advice. You just gave me a, the best pickup line ever or whatever, which is yeah, so ridiculous. But anyways, the that's casual kind of threesome mention, like right. fun, fun. And then he just, he's like, and now I'm out of the episode. He's like, and I'm goodbye and farewell. <laughs> and now I leave you to hopefully go shower. But anyway, um, um, let's see the Ross situation. So Ross has now has ugly naked guys apartment that Mm -hmm. happened in the, in one of the previous episodes. So he is getting a couch. So he's getting a couch and, but then he's like, Oh my God, what's this fee for delivering the couch? That's crazy. I just live three blocks away. So he decides that he and Rachel will take the couch there and then they run into some challenges getting the couch up the stairs, which I think we can all relate to. Ends <laughs> up destroying the couch, brings it back for a refund at the end, which is probably my favorite part of the entire episode. <laughs> we can get into those jokes. And then, meanwhile, Phoebe is digging around for tip money. First of all, as like a, a mm-hmm. long time like food service employee, I take deep offense to 
the fact that Phoebe's like digging for nickels in the chair to like find a tip for her. You know, it's right. Fine. It's Phoebe. The, no, well, the you, friends whatever, are funny. The friends are finishing up their bill and they're like, great, we just need the tip. And she's like, okay, hold on. She's digging for, she puts down, she has two coins in her hand. She puts down a nickel and then is like, is that enough? And they're like, nope, we probably need a couple more bucks. Yeah, she's like, how much more do we need? And Rachel's like, cool, like a few more dollars. She's like, well, here's a dime. <laughs> yeah so I was like Phoebe no but um you know what it's fine but anyways she's digging around in the chair and she finds a badge a cop's badge and she's like I should turn this in but instead she just goes rogue and starts like vigilanteing the streets of New York um in her weird like Phoebe way she makes a woman apologize to a tree which is fantastic and then she's basically realizes she's gone mad with power but she still isn't turning it in and she ends up pulling it on an actual cop mm-hmm. and so actually I guess this plot had a little bit more beats to it than I remember it it feels like it had a three beat well I, I like a 3.5 beat more than that at the yeah. end but but yeah it was so you know they they were pretty evenly split I guess but yeah anyways basically the cop it, the cop um in the end just asks her out on a date instead of arresting her essentially yeah. And he become like, cause that's Michael Rappaport and he becomes mm-hmm. a, like a regular, right? Don't he and Phoebe date? He has a run for a while on this season. I don't remember how many episodes he appears mm-hmm. on, but yeah, he and Phoebe date for sure. And there, I, I, well, firstly, I love Michael Rappaport, but I also love sort of their banter and the way that they communicate because she, like you said, Zoe, you know, she, she's yelling at him about how he parked his car And she's like, you can't park your car there. And he's like, okay, well, don't worry about it. And she's like, no. And she flashes the the badge, right? And then he's like, why are you flashing my badge? And then she does this really funny, like, oh, you want it? Uh," And then like throws it and just kind of runs away. And you can tell he's kind of like, okay, sure, whatever. And then he comes to the, the girl's apartment where he said that he ran her fingerprints this seems a little wild he ran her <laughs> fingerprints it feels like a, a an abuse of government money but that's fine um he runs her fingerprints i mean you think cops are on the level anyway sorry go on. <laughs> <laughs> of course uh, there hasn't been why. any problems with the police ever the white cop fine what i'm sure he's he's well meaning michael rapaport i'm sure he's fine he seems like a good guy anyway go on but the yeah so then he he he's like oh your last known address was the girl's address because he used because phoebe used to live with monica which i still think is hilarious but totally they they have this like back and forth that i think is great because she really knows the law like she I feel like she knows the law really well um (laughs) and is anticipating she's like oh yeah you guys are all going to be arrested as well because you're betting a fugitive yeah exactly and or harboring harboring a fugitive fugitive. yeah yeah whatever I don't know it's whatever I hear on tv shows and um and yeah and and at one point I don't know. It's just their whole thing. I thought was just really fun. And it felt, it felt like it, too. it just felt like it, it made me excited to see more of that. So I, I am excited to see kind of where their relationship goes. 
It's also funny because Phoebe's like our bad girl and she has such a checkered past, but she has, and we've mentioned this earlier in the season, she has kind of like a thing for like a man with a badge. She had a thing yeah. with the health inspector earlier this season. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, I love when you like shut it, shut down a restaurant. Like, yeah, shut it down or whatever. She like really gets off on this like weird authority figure stuff, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did like, you know, at one point when she, she, realizes that she's been figured out when she's trying to pretend that she's a cop to a cop and she's like oh well i'm i'm undercover i'm 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 a whore and she's like i'm a whore she's like like, cheery yeah and then he's like oh who who are you with and she's like oh um you know spits spits a sipowitz sipowitz yeah and um and he's like oh yeah yeah, his partner's great on silver spoons. Oh, and I was, do you guys know the reference to this? I did not get that. I reference. didn't. I had to look it oh, up. Okay. But you seem to know it. Oh, Tell I us. absolutely did. Tell and us. so it was funny because I was like, oh, this is such a specific period. So Sipowitz is the main character from NYPD Blue, mm-hmm. which okay. was a very groundbreaking police yeah, yeah. TV show in the in the 90s. It's the first TV show, I believe, to say shit on TV. <gasps> Oh, uh, how exciting. And uh, for the the first few years where, and it was pre-Sopranos, it was the like, is this the best TV show ever made conversation? Wow. So, oh, interesting. And, uh, you know, Dennis Franz played Sipowitz and his partner for the first several seasons was Jimmy Smith. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Smith was looking to get out of, of the show for, for one reason or another. And so his character dies in the series. like, And that's like <laughs> the big run. And then he is replaced by... Now I can't remember his name, but the kid from Silver Spoons grown up because the running bit was, yeah. it was like, how can the Silver Spoons kid be like good? And he is pretty good <laughs> in the show for several more years. Uh, and <gasps> yeah. he's amazing, uh, but Ricky, like, Ricky Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. And so so and he comes on and they end up doing like three or four more years. And Schroeder ends up doing like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, they accomplished what X-Files did not. Uh, mm. you know, as far as kind of carrying it forward and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. funny because it's a joke. Uh, on about a show on their channel yeah. that is having like a huge pop culture moment. And I love that on their even more popular show, they're just sort of hanging a hat on how how the new, it's like a promo for NYPD Blue hidden inside of a joke in France. And I was like, this is some good that's capitalism jokes. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I, I wonder, only know because I love Jimmy Schmitz. Well, right. I was, I love Jimmy Schmitz. And I wonder if he left NYPD Blue to join the West Wing. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Okay. Um, and he takes an interlude and is in the Star Wars prequels. For not a Star Wars guy, I'm bringing him up a lot just because it's of the time period. <laughs> True. Speaking of the West Wing, yes. I recognize oh, the girl. Margaret. That, right. I recognize the girl that... Um, Phoebe was made apologize to the tree Mm -hmm. and I didn't know where I recognized her from at first, but she of course was Margaret on the West Wing, which is like a, one of those incredible, like smaller parts that just like, she's so good. She took, I I feel like she's one of those in the West Wing. She's one of those parts where at first she was just Leo's assistant. And then they, the writers, gave her a little sass and made her kind of weird in a way oh, yeah. that's very entertaining and they used her to provide comedy on Can the I show make a, a sad admittance 
Oh, no. I get the West Wing and Veep confused because I That's haven't seen amazing. either. And so I, I know that one is a very serious Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. series that's beloved. And one is a comedy series that is also beloved and both take place in the White House. Yeah. And one has walking and talking sequences. I believe the other one has walking and talking sequences because of the other. Well, mm-hmm. right. I mean, so Veep's it's, like a parody of West yeah, Wing. If you so. show me a photo and it does not have... Uh, you know, Martin Sheen there you go. or Julia Dreyfus in it uh-huh. because and if you, you put no a picture, because yeah, because, because uh, yeah, it would be tough. It, it's, That's funny. I suppose if Rob Lowe was in a shot, I'd know it just because he leaves that to go do my precious parks. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh my yeah. I mean, what I will say is the West Wing is great. <laughs> and it's, they're both great but yeah I mean, they're both great and and i i will i will also be vulnerable in this moment and say i haven't watched beep yet okay so i've watched neither your show ahead of me well you know yeah kyle i just want to i was a know. sports night guy when it comes to sorkin oh, oh i love sports night too great be, show or that yeah. good, the yeah. first time sports? i got to see a little bit of peter krauser i've only oh. seen that a couple episodes of that show but i yeah. it's a good show I just speaking of Peter Krauser, I just started watching Parenthood. Is it good? Um, it's um, it it is. It's it's um, it's very it's like very dramatic in a okay. way that yeah, I can't feel. Like I this really like Parenthood it's, that it, came out in like 2010. You're talking yeah. about right? Oh, I really yeah. like I've seen that. Have I really watched, like like This Is Us, like that show oh, that's see, like literally that either, a soap like, opera. Born, like I yeah. cry. Yeah. Oh, totally. I don't Parenthood, think Parenthood. I don't know. I haven't seen This Is Us. I don't think Parenthood is as extreme. Literally, I, I don't think anything yeah, is as Parenthood's extreme. This like is a step is, down. Their I can app watch. was like, do you want to cry every week? We will fuck your mom's life oh, up for a night. Oh, yeah. I can watch like one or two episodes of This Is Us. And I'm like, whew, got my tears out. Have you watched 911, the show that's Mm-mm. him and Angela Bassett? No. Like, oh. It is. On paper, feels like a show that should be the best thing ever. But I've yet to meet a person who has seen a single episode, which makes me nervous. Mm. I was going to say the joke that I've heard about This Is Us is like the guy who's like, maybe it's a tweet or whatever. He's like, either my wife just learned that someone murdered her entire family or she's watching This Is Us. Yeah. It's, uh... She's just like. Uh, yeah. Oh, that uh, level I, of crying. Do you oh, yeah. wish the I, last like, third aggressively... of Terms of Endearment was a weekly show? I, you know, it's it's definitely like I I am a crier. I will cry at commercials. Like you, you know, I'm crying a, right now. <laughs> a, you know, a dog does something cute. I get weepy. Like I am a crier, yeah. and so there are times where I'm like, yes, that's what I want right now. I need to cry, and this is us definitely fulfills that. Parenthood is something that has. It's definitely not that level, but it's like it's towards it's like a that, step though. below. It's a step below. I can watch like four What's episodes the, of Parenthood. It's a riff on the movie, right? I'm not insane. Oh, if I don't there know. is a movie, I with the Steve Martin, Keanu Reeves, Steve Martin, mm-hmm. and I, I was always under the impression that this was the the uh, a TV version of that. But I also realize now that I've based that on nothing. Well, <laughs> it reminds me. I don't know it, that. It feels like the 45 minute drama version of. Modern Family. Okay. Yeah. So it's like like a little more soap opera (laughs) drama. Yeah. Yeah, It's like you have a huge ass family who's in everyone's business. They just walk into each other's homes. That no one knows. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. I mean, kind of like that little kind of like unconventional family structure. A little bit more like Modern Family in a way. Yeah. I feel like Modern Family is a little more unconventional, whereas Parenthood. So it's like like Shameless. 
take on these shows? Is that what that is? I'm just going to ask you questions about television now. I love this. I've heard many things. It makes me sound smart, but I like, I only know a handful of shows really well. (laughs) I know. Same. I'm, I'm actually curious about some of this uh, since I'm on a friend's podcast talking to Mm. two fans of friends as somebody who like Mm. is not a big fan of the show. But because it's such a cultural juggernaut, like like all things in culture, I find them interesting, even if I don't dig them. Yeah. Like, I do feel like this is a show that is interesting to me because people have such an affinity for it. Oh, and yeah. But like this very much to me seems like kind of the definition of like a nice show and not in like a bad way in like that's probably what makes it so profoundly successful is mm. this niceness to it. And yeah. like. I try to think of like other beloved sitcoms and like, you know, I compare this to like, I'll use, I'm going to use the big bang theory mm-hmm. just as, because they are two shows of a similar level of like cultural weight. Sure. But totally. what's interesting to me, and I'm curious if you guys can, can expand on this a little bit is I feel like, is it part of the success of friends that every character is almost kind of a cipher? Hmm. Define cipher. Like they all, feel like i'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding like i'm being like insulting but they often <laughs> feel, fine. go for it we're not often, just to let you know we're not like huge fans of front i mean oh, we like the okay. show but oh we're gotcha not, like, oh great okay we're not like I never super fans because i'm like on your guys show so i want to be like I'm no no like, like i don't want to be like the guy shit. it's like because they often feel like emotional archetypes or like a oh, collection yeah. of like oh totally sounds more than a character but there is a character that's where it's so it's why i leaned into archetype but not mm-hmm. like traditional archetypes more just the idea of like a set of features without a defined spirit if that makes so, sense so this is really interesting and i just mm-hmm. want to share a few thoughts um I fucking you mentioned- love this by the way this is <laughs> this is the best case scenario for this i am this is the great. best you guys are great oh thanks for being here you're great um so we you mentioned earlier a few shows that you're talking about they're kind of like cartoons and to me that is sort of what a sitcom is and heather yeah. and i as i mentioned we met in clown school and there's this whole element or funny. like uh, right? There's this whole thing in clown school. I mean, basically what a clown is, is a human cartoon, right? A clown is a larger than life portrayal of a human. Often built around like archetypal traits. Exactly. And that is what sitcoms basically are to me. And like, I had an aha moment years ago, probably when I was stoned. And I think it was actually watching friends or just like had a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, it's a cartoon. It's a live action cartoon. That's kind of what sitcom. And of course, that's a massive overgeneralization. There's many different like nuances and styles of TV shows. You're pretty right though. But that's basically what like a sitcom is. Um, and so, and it's been really interesting. So, so yes, I completely agree with you that like clowns are stand-ins for, you know, they hold a mirror to society and they invite you to sort of like see yourself and resonate with that or not, you know, but they're really more self-deprecating than they are sort of like punching down towards other people, which kind of goes back to the like kindness and comedy. It's like, it's mm-hmm. okay to make a joke at your own expense. And if someone else feels that they like resonate with that, then that's great. And we can laugh together. And if they don't, then like no harm done, you know? And it's been really interesting kind of diving into the characters a little bit more this season. Actually, after watching this episode, I was thinking about all the different characters and like, I don't know. I mean, I hate to say this, but like, it almost feels like Monica and Rachel, like, I don't know if I really like know who they are. They have mm. like certain And that's moments. kind of my question. That's yeah. maybe Rachel being maybe the most specific here. Cause I'm a big fan of Jennifer Aniston. I enjoy her in yeah. many things. Oh, She's I a love cool her lady. too. Totally. But like, I don't understand what Rachel is. 
She mm. almost is like, in a sense, that manic pixie dream girl where she just sort of like- But she seems so sad all the time. Well, she just sort of like <laughs> fills in whatever mechanical like need. Okay, or, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I guess it, so, so she's the most so not really the manic one. pixie, yeah. but like, in, she seems very mutable to me yeah. re-watching this series. She's kind of what Anne is a comment on in Parks and Rec. Totally, exactly. Mm. It's like, she's hot. And sort of the main point of her seems to be that she's hot. And again, like, well, and, I'm and not affable. trying to hate, Like, it's but... not just hot, but it's also, like, seems very down-to-earth and friendly. But somehow all of that doesn't quite add up, like, you know, makes it an outlier. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, not, and it's not that they portray her as being particularly, like, stupid or ditzy or, like, anything negative or anything like that. She seems like a, a perfectly, like, nice and fun, like, friend if you will or person (laughs) but yeah there just doesn't seem to be a lot of substance there and I mean Monica is this like you know her thing is like she's a neat freak and she's she's a little intense yeah yeah, she's type but that's at least something even that I'm just like like, those are like those don't seem like primary characteristics to me those seem like lifestyle like choices in a way they they all feel like kind of lifestyle choices but like you know, Monica's very type A. Joey's right. a handsome dummy. Phoebe's mm-hmm. like whatever the '90s version of an she's, old hippie kind she's of. The she's the quirky one, she's Reverend yeah, Jim, and and then uh, uh, Chandler's like the motormouth sassy one. You know, and it's Ross and Rachel. Like, do you guys think that kind of structurally their purpose is to be the couple of this thing? Like, is that kind of their game is because again, with all those other things, they have a game. Like there's a thing you can build a character around. Like with both of them, is the game just the will they won't they are they just like Jack and Diane if they have no personality? I I do think a a lot of a lot of it is kind of will they won't they and then they they will they they are at some point and then they aren't and then there's a lot of talks about how they aren't anymore and then they, they are and such and, mm-hmm, and then they were about to and then emily comes in and then where we're at now is sort of as zoe has very astutely coined the de-evolution of ross where it's it's basically ross is now a, a just a man baby who mm-hmm. everything about his life has totally fallen apart his marriage, his job, his apartment, like all of that. And so it's. So and he's then no longer a paleontologist at this point. Well, well he's he on sabbatical. Is. He was on sabbatical. I'm not sure if he went back because he was supposed to go back. And then he had another r- outburst of rage. It's been interesting. That's the craziest thing in the entire show. It's crazy. Oh, like like a he's a paleontologist. Margin. Just the sheer fact that this show that like is so the characters in it are so square and like, there's all these things and they're all this, but then there's the, for whatever reason to me, the funniest thing in the entire show is that just <laughs> one of the six of them is a paleontologist. <laughs> well, it's the, so funny. Cause yeah. Yeah. It's just I an agree. insane job. Like you just be like, Oh, this is, he's an actor. She's a waitress. He's a paleontologist. <laughs> I just feel like someone pulled that out of their ass. And then they're like, I guess we just have to like roll with this. Yeah. But it's been interesting this season. It does feel like Ross is sort of the only one or like, and I mean, he's of course a cartoon as well, but his emotional like inner world has been very deeply like fleshed out in this mm-hmm. season. It's almost been like, even though, you know, a lot of the season has been about like Monica and Chandler who started secretly dating in the beginning of the season, it kind of feels like the season is sort of about Ross and like his emotional journey through the season in a way. Yeah. He seems to be the one that has like the deepest emotions and in 
ranging in all these different ways and the other characters seem a lot more one-dimensional not that he's not I mean again he's also a cartoon but it's just been really interesting to like notice that on this rewatch he seems to be the most like defined and sort of like yeah he's not got stationary, but just like mm-hmm. uh, you know we know who he is and that's who he is and that it, it remains reliable even as he devolves and becomes more crazy and this and that he's sort of the most grounded in in a weird way I don't know yeah and I think each like I totally hear what you're saying Kyle and I do think that there are episodes where one of the friends maybe has more than the others. This episode felt pretty ensemble-y. I felt like but... this is kind of a perfect one to jump in on. Like as I was watching, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a nice little sample of everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, it's kind of great. But I, I do feel like there are some episodes, you know, we had a couple episodes ago, Phoebe reconnected with her father who left her when she yeah. was a baby, you know? And so there was there was a little bit that, oh, we we understand her a little bit more, you know? And so I do feel like there are- Is the B-plot to that Ross finds a treasure map? I mean, basically. <laughs> some bullshit going on Some yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do feel like there are episodes where a friend does have a little bit more okay. of a life outside of these sort of very plain bullet points about them. And yes, there's just bodies that create comedy, you yeah. know, without really having a personality in, right. at some points. Which is very those... clown. It's very like commedia dell'arte. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's very like you're saying like archetypal, which is interesting. Should we get into the, should we talk about the jokes we liked? I mean, well, have episode? we did, I, we went on a really long fun delicious tangent there we We talked about comedy in the least funny way which is what people always love in podcasts (laughs) that's what people love just we talked about take it apart we talked about phoebe's storyline we talked about joey's storyline we went off on the when we when we came into the guest stars that's where we really like mm -hmm. went off the rails yeah but we uh, haven't we haven't dug too deeply into ross's storyline so zoe which plays into the couch thing too Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which to so, me is the joke of the day. Yeah. I mean, to me, the the couch is clearly the star. I mean, there's just so many things to say about this. First of all, what a horrible couch they chose. <laughs> Who would ever buy this couch on 90s purpose? as hell? 90s hell's <laughs> white, which what are you doing? Ross's extremely uncomfortable joke in the beginning. Like, I want a couch that that kids will like, but that also says, come here to me. We talk about cringe moments. It's just like they make a joke out of it but i'm like i don't know guys. i i i will say that because it, it was silent right and i was like oh no what a horrible joke and i was so glad that rachel was like you say that to children yes i was so glad that she called so him out she's on that like the voice of the audience right she's yeah like the voice of the audience being like what <laughs> anyway that was fun and it was interesting it was actually kind of interesting to see ross and rachel together for mm-hmm. this episode because they really haven't had much business together this season in the beginning of the season Rachel was like Ross I'm still in love with you and he was like well I'm trying to get Emily back for some unknown reason and then that was kind of it and they haven't really had much interaction since then so it was kind of interesting to see the two of them together in Mm -hmm. ostensibly a platonic situation although the whole thing with like the sales guy where she was like oh we're not together and then he's like oh that that makes more sense then which like anyway and then ross is like we had sex 298 times yeah yeah or whatever that was 
so ridiculous and he's like tell him tell him Rachel and she's like Ross I'm holding a couch I really don't want to get into this right now and he's like then tell him quickly (laughs) which I did think was pretty funny anyway yeah the business with the couch I mean we were talked about like why is Chandler there I think Chandler's there because he's funny and so they were Mm -hmm. like it would be funny to have him in this scene and I do think he was really funny in that scene he also physicality is so weird he's so floppy he he also the perfect pin at the end of the thing like that sticks that entire couch scene landing is just <laughs> yeah. to just at the very end of it have to go what does pivot mean is such a good <laughs> oh my god it's right because so they're trying to get they're trying to get this couch up the stair the stairwell which look <laughs> as a outside observer there's some very simple things i think they yeah, could have done to it make bugged it me work. a lot it it was bothersome but it also was great comedy because it's classic Laurel and Hardy. You got to push that. Yeah. Uh, haven't you guys ever moved a thing. couch before? Like, come on. Anyway, like my husband's a professional mover. So and I'm very big and strong. <laughs> and I'm very big and strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, so that, that was just my own, like, but I did, I did love, you know, they, they try to do it at first and Ross is like super controlling and has no understanding of the other end of the couch. And so as he's trying to (laughs) get it to move, he's basically throwing Rachel, like Rachel's option is to hold onto the couch and fall off the stairs or let go of the couch. And so she lets go of the couch and then it falls down over the edge of the stairs. And that's when they're like, we need assistance and pull Chandler in. And of course, at that point, Ross has been sitting at the bottom of the stairs on his couch and he's drawn, he's drawn a diagram of how to move it. And I just want to see what that diagram looks like. Which again, I love anytime they tell you about something that they don't show you and Mm -hmm. they just let your imagination fill it in. That Mm -hmm. is always fun. And they do that a lot. And this time it was a dick joke. Oh, it was a great dick joke. And Rachel, oh, well, you certainly think highly of yourself. He's like, that's that's my my arm. arm. I like the idea that she thought his dick was lifting up the couch. (laughs) Chandler's like, well, I just thought you really loved your new couch. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically, people I think that know the show would know this as the pivot episode. That's Mm -hmm. the main joke is just Ross moving the couch, screaming, pivot, 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 Pivot. until he's like saying it so weird. And Chandler's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then, um, the couch gets stuck and he's like wait what do you mean by pivot (laughs) so good it's funny because now talking it out I actually like that storyline if you will is almost more of the C because it really is a pretty clear three beat it's like yeah they're buying the couch they try once to get it up it doesn't work they try a second time it's a more extreme example of not being able to get it to work that's kind Mm -hmm. of the three beat and then there's the tag which is the punchline and yeah. it's Ross attempting yeah. to return a couch that is cut in half in a classic clown style where he is dead serious. And, and won't acknowledge the words that would make him culpable. It's a fun, yeah. fun little not, exercise. He's not quite saying, you know, the gal. And she's like, so you're telling me the couch was delivered like this. And he's like, I'd like a new couch. Like he doesn't say those words, but he doesn't like refute it. So he's not quite like, anyway, and and he's like, I will. Finally, he's like, I will accept store credit. And she says, I can give you store credit in the amount of $4. And he says, I will take it. I do <laughs> love when somebody very seriously accepts a terrible offer. Like, Of course, because they know 
they're being ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so the tag was very fun for me. Yeah. It, it was funny watching this pivot scene again, because I feel like it's one of those iconic moments, right? Everyone knows pivot. I feel like I've seen TikToks where it's the, it's the whole pivot monologue while someone's like embroidering that on a shirt. Like it's, it's oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's I've seen <laughs> it's, it's so iconic, you know, and if you have quotes from friends, one of them is pivot. Right. And it was interesting. I think it's that classic scenario of when you've heard a joke so much, or there's so much buildup and anticipation for it that when I was watching the scene, I was like, Oh yeah, that was funny. But it wasn't, I wasn't dying laughing, right? Yeah. Obviously, I've I, seen it before. Well, so that's the doom of happen. iconic humor. Like but any then, humor, yeah. when it becomes so well-known and beloved, just loses all of its power. Like it's the great trade-off you get for that kind of success of a bit. It's the, it's the yeah, baby, and the my wife of its time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there were, I think the moment that I laughed out loud, maybe there was another one too, but I think the tag to me was way funnier than the like, the pivot scene's funny, but it's almost like so well-known that it's mm-hmm. like not as funny as maybe I'm excited I got to fresh. see some like iconic moment here. You got like, to see yeah. it fresh. Yeah. Fully unaware have, that that was a thing. Did you have any, be honest, did you have any like laugh out loud moments in the episode? Uh, Chandler's pivot line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was nice. pretty good and shit there was something else like there were two that got me not that, that was yeah. the, the big one and then something in like that last chunk when before Michael Rapport comes in when they're like wrapping up the episode there was like another mm-hmm. random line in there that I was like oh it's pretty funny the line that I really liked when he's when um he's there to ask Phoebe out is when he's like yeah, I got to look at your record. You've done some pretty weird that, oh, stuff. Oh, it's, it's her stuff. Yes, it's exactly yeah. that. That's the exact one. She's and then like, Phoebe's I'll... like, huh, yeah, we'll talk at dinner. Kind yeah, of I'll, like, I'll explain like, things over dinner because that's like, a real like, hush, 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 type whatever. of joke I enjoy. Person acknowledging, well, not acknowledging legal background issues. Yeah, oh, it was so great. And it just goes to this whole thing of her having like a really crazy past that like she sort of pretends not like not pretends but like now she's kind of fitting in with this group of friends who are all these like really just like privileged white people and she's like oh yeah let's maybe not mention that around like my normal friends or whatever that made me laugh for sure one of my favorite lines was sort of earlier on and it's when phoebe finds the cop's badge and chandler goes well why would a cop come in here they don't serve donuts Actually, can I, tr- can I try that? Can you discover the badge again so I can tr- come up with another joke or whatever? Oh, yeah. Which was I thought was funny. just like a great, like I think as comedians, we've all been there oh, where yeah. we're like, haha, here's this great joke. No one left. Wait, 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 let me try again. I have something better. Yeah. There's yeah. a, there's a version that. of that my brother and I do a riff from that's from an old family guy where like a news reporter says something and then says, take two and then says it right. And then says, you take two. <laughs> and my brother and I, if somebody does something or a joke doesn't land or something, it's like, all right, take two and try a different thing and just use take two. I love that. Oh my gosh. So there was like a head joke in the beginning of that scene with the cop at the apartment too, that I really enjoyed, which is Joey comes in with a pizza and he's like, who wants pizza? And everyone grabs a slice and he's like, can you believe I found this on the second floor? And everyone just like puts it back. And then (laughs) that's already funny. And then the cop knocks on the door and he's like, it's the police. And Joey's like, 
oh shit trying to hide his pizza thinking that the cops are after him for like taking someone's pizza and i love that he like hides it under the couch and then he's sitting on the coffee table and has a moment where he's like trying to quickly chew and he's making like a yeah hold on i'm quickly chewing kind of face he swallows delirious from the threesome he had 12 hours earlier (laughs) and then he swallows his pizza and kind of gives like a "Mm, go ahead face which i just thought was everyone's like we're not waiting for you yeah no one being ridiculous the cops aren't here because you found pizza oh my god so funny let's see what else what other zingers did we enjoy here it's not a super joke dense show which i thought was interesting i would say some episodes are a lot more okay because it was Mm -hmm. not there was not a lot of like joke ass jokes in it which i found interesting there's a lot of like funny scenarios and different bits and the clowny stuff but like you know, I always feel like the joke ass joke is like the sitcoms like number one arsenal. And it's interesting that like one of the most popular sitcoms of all time does not really utilize it. Yeah, I would say it really varies by the episode. There have been okay. some episodes that were really jokey. And then there have been some that upon rewatching, I'm like, I feel like this wasn't that funny and it wasn't yeah. that jokey. One thing I did enjoy was, and again, this isn't like a joke. It was more like you're saying it's more like just business that um, isn't really talked about, but Rachel's gathering a hammer, a rope, and a measuring tape. What is she? Yeah. How's that? Oh, that's helpful? pretty fun. You yeah. know, I was like, what is she? That's and a of great course, bit. They, they had that joke about the measuring tape, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's in the bedroom. Which, if I was Rachel, I'd be like, I'm good. Like, yeah, I don't, your, I don't need that measuring tape. measuring tape or whatever. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I, I loved the jokes around cops and donuts just because I just think that's a really stupid joke. And one of my honestly favorite things that's ever happened in my life was when I worked at a cafe and we started to sell donuts and then some police officers came in and one of my coworkers could not handle themselves. Like I didn't realize cops and donuts was really a thing, but she was on, she wasn't sitting, but she was like metaphorically on the edge of her seat desperately hoping that these cops will buy one that. of these donuts she and prays I, for the first time in her life like it, god if you're it there, was it was so funny and i think i don't think they did and she was so disappointed by it's it pretty and cripplingly sad like it was it was very like, entertaining well, makes no sense i'm out i mean it was very entertaining and so then i think at at one point yeah when the when the cop is asking Phoebe out and he makes, you know, a joke about donuts and Chandler has this really ridiculous, big fake laugh. And he's like, he's a cop. He's got a laugh. I believe he said he's got a gun. He's got a gun. There you go. Chandler is clearly not comfortable around cops at all. (laughs) He he constantly has cocaine on him. (laughs) He does seem like he does constantly have cocaine on him. And also he's not, I guess, really comfortable around much of anyone, but he's- What does Chandler do? And that's well, a great, I'm glad you asked that because it is like a running joke that it's ambiguous what he does, but he actually is supposed to have a, a total like grown up job. Like he works in some businessy business place and makes like a tons of money. He like subsidizes Joey basically, like he pays their rent. Oh, interesting. So he's like, makes the most money of all the friends, but everyone makes fun of him. And he's like, I mean, and, and again, going back to things that kind of didn't age well, he's kind of like constantly the joke about him is like, basically some version of like he's too effeminate or whatever which Mm -hmm. i was gonna say there was kind of a joke like that 
Look, as a man who grew up an effeminate large man, I understand. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that's funny. But uh, there's a joke that I made a note of in here where, you know, the cop is there and Phoebe's like, harboring a fugitive, that's one to three years minimum. Good luck, Chandler, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) that's rough. But um, yeah, everyone else would would survive in jail except for Chandler. Good luck, Chandler. I'm like, whoa, Phoebe, that's a little like intense. But yeah, so Chandler weirdly is actually has the most grown up job of all, even beyond Ah. paleontologist, you might say. Mm -hmm. It is weird when you realize a paleontologist probably doesn't make a ton of money. Oh, totally. You never really got to see Dr. Grant's lifestyle outside of (laughs) the dig or the park. Well, right. I mean, he works at like the museum. Yeah, even the natural history museum. See his alleys. (laughs) Going deep on my Jurassic Park lore here. I love, I love all of that. And I love Jurassic Park three. (laughs) Specifically, Jurassic Park three. Very much so. Great. (laughs) It's the trashy canon film one. Pretty great. I'm trying to think like, yeah, we. I feel I. The sentence that almost came out of my mouth right now is, I think we mentioned all of the jokes, (laughs) (laughs) which I suppose is a very constant thing to say to the episode. I mean, no, it's fine. I um, think you're right. My, sex, my second thing was going to be like, I defy you to tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I have a few other jokes that I wrote down. I honestly don't know that they're worth like mentioning. They're just like oh, other do. jokes. Um, like when Joey's like hitting on Rachel and, you know, he says the whole thing of like, you know, well, who are my friends? You and Phoebe. And I saw you first. And then like Rachel kind of like gives him a talking to. And then he's like, man, I wish I saw Phoebe first (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Um, don't know that that really qualifies as a joke, but, um, I had some like funny physical comedy things that Ross did with the couch. Yeah. uh, When they're at the couch store. And he's is getting up and sitting down in it and apparently like testing it out. And I don't think any person has ever sat down on the couch the way that Ross is trying to sit down on this couch. He like flops in it so bizarre. The bit where they're doing the couch back and forth and he's fighting with the guy and he's moving back and forth with Rachel and stuff is like pure vaudeville. Oh, 100%. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was another thing I wrote down is, you know, they're starting to walk away. The salesperson says whatever he says and Ross needs to redeem himself because he has done it with Rachel 298 (laughs) times. And so he walks towards the salesperson, but in doing that, he's carrying a couch. And so it's pushing Rachel backwards and she has to react. And so, yeah, that, that was pretty funny, that back and forth. They get back together at some point, right? They do. Does he (laughs) remark upon a 300th time? Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. That would be hilarious. I, I mean, like if you're a writer on that show and you, you remember got that you had that line, you got to throw that out later. Oh, that's interesting. I will say, and I was going to bring this up too, again, like already kind of touched on the other part of this joke, but Rachel's like, you kept count of how many times you're such a loser. And he just takes his stride. He's like, a loser you did it with 298 times or whatever. <laughs> so what a nerd. I mean, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Clock how much time that was. <laughs> so let's move on to our segment where we talk about who did we most relate to of this episode. So Kyle, mm. you're our guest. Who did you see yourself as or who did you most resonate with in this episode? I'm trying to think of all of them. I mean, I hate saying it this way, but probably like a Chandler uh, mm. because I, I am often drafted into helping people move couches. Sure. <laughs> We've all been uh, there. Yeah. yeah. And so that was probably like, uh, 
I think that's always part of it for me is that like there's never the, like Phoebe's maybe the closest to a character I can lock into in Friends, mm-hmm. uh, and and usually the plot lines where they use Phoebe like as a main thing they kind of de Phoebe her. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. But like Ross is always the character that I kind of struggle the most with because I'm just like I would hate this person in real life. A hundred percent. I mean, he's like kind of the sad clown slash just like mopey slash. Yeah, I never really liked him that much as the character. Revisiting the show, I've gained, I feel, a new appreciation for him. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. So it's sort of like, like uh, again, it sounds so douchey, but like meeting him, it was kind of like, oh, cool. You're like a real person. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not Ross. Like, that's, right. man, that's got to be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, totally. How about you um, guys? Yeah, what about you, Heather? I think I... Like total Ross. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I wrote down. Really? Yeah, yeah, in this particular episode, I very strongly resonated with the I can do this by myself energy. Ah, not and the counting times. Not, not yeah. the counting times. The, uh, you know, oh, well, it's only three blocks away. I can do that. Not the drawing of yourself with a penis. Sorry. Not me drawing my giant That's dick. That's separate, but, please, Zoe. No. That was for the other <laughs> podcast we did. Oh shit. I always get them mixed up. That's right. That's right. Um, no, just, I, I, there's been like late nights where I've been building Ikea furniture by myself and it's like, yeah, I can, I could wait until tomorrow when fill in the blank person can help me or I could do it right now. Or I've re you know, reorganized my bedroom, which involved moving my bed. And I've done that by myself. And it's like that weird manic, you know, middle of the night, like this feels like the right thing to do at 10 p.m. I'll yeah. piss off my neighbor, it was my downstairs neighbor. My meth habit too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who's got the cocaine now, Chandler? That's right. Uh, yeah. So just that kind of energy of like, I can do this. We can do this. We don't need anyone to help us. I'm gonna move this couch up the stairs by myself. That's the energy I latched onto. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I, it's funny. Cause I will say a quick caveat after like talking through it, I will say that like, so my partner, Alex and I were friends before we started dating and I really don't have any valid like dating advice for anyone ever. Cause I was always horrible at dating. So <laughs> that's always my only it's not really even advice. It's more of just an anecdote is to be like, well, we were <laughs> friends first. For me, that was what was different. Like I was hor- had horrible experiences with men until I basically fell in love with someone who was already my friend. And so mm-hmm. again, not that that's an actionable advice, but um, I did definitely it's, feel uh, that. Yeah. It's in the same ballpark of advice that the pa- the mom from back to the future gives, which is what it's just like your dad will hit him with a car and you'll fall in love. Oh, right. Exactly. It's like, yeah. well, that's not really. <laughs> that something. doesn't hold up to. No, I wouldn't hold examples. your breath for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just th- thought that's kind of funny. Um, because for me, yeah, anyways, I was actually. Mr. Really... Arrive, right, arrives to the tar- time portal with his robot eye. And I'll then know that it's time to, to settle down. <laughs> you know, like for me, being friends first was the thing that made me. And it's not that I didn't act crazy. It's that I did act crazy. I wasn't trying to like hide the fact that I was crazy because he already knew that he already knew that I was batshit. So then like (laughs) everything is just on the table and that was like out of the way. So I could just like act normal by which I mean crazy anyways. Um, so that's just like kind of something that's funny, but I will say Heather, 
Oh, I do actually kind of agree with you. And I mean, I think I like to think I'm kind of past the point in my life where I was like, where I would be like, you know, this fee for doing this thing that I could do myself, like I'll just <laughs> do it myself instead of pay the money, which is funny. Cause like thinking back at times that I was like, I could just do this myself or grab a couple of friends to help me. Like I probably made like more money than I make now. I was just like, but that's beer money. Or like, yeah. I don't want to waste money on like paying someone to move a couch. Like that would be insane. Like you kind of feel like you're getting away with something by just like doing it yourself and then buying some extra weed or whatever. But then it's like, I don't know. I reach a point in my life where it's like my bad back and whatever. Like it's, <laughs> it's a thing for me that like, I don't move my own stuff anymore. I will yeah. pay someone to move my stuff. And I usually don't pay movers. I've been lucky enough to work in the restaurant industry and I can usually just pay a couple of like kitchen guys or whatever to like move my stuff for me up to now. But that has definitely been like a major phase of like my graduating into a new level of adulthood is like moving beyond the Ross phase of Mm -hmm. being like, I'll just do it myself when like ultimately it's obviously way worse for him that he like decides to do it for on his own. Well, and of course him, he, you know, we don't know how much the couch costs, but he, the whole reason he moved it himself was so that he didn't have to pay that fee, but then he ends up destroying the couch. So now he just spent, now he's he's got to buy another couch. (laughs) Like, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? Like literally the most inaccessible building you could try to move a couch to. And I do, right. how, I do like how Rachel is like, oh, you said the building had an elevator. And he's like, I did say that, but it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Dick. laughs> Anyways. All righty. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about food. Yes. All right. All right. See you in a few. Okay. Welcome back. Now it is time to discuss the food. So yes. before we begin, Kyle, tell Is this us where this. I get in trouble. You're not in trouble. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> Kyle, tell us this. How comfortable are you in the kitchen? I have a feeling I might know the answer to this so, a little bit, but tell us about how comfortable you are in the kitchen. It's been an ongoing project for yeah. the, one of one of my kind of more failed COVID projects, but not entirely. <laughs> um I I am I am not not a cooker. Uh, I do mm-hmm. not come from from a from a big background of of cooking and stuff mm. like that. It's sort of not interesting. Not in I'll say this again: it's complicated. I'm a fucking killer baker. Oh, I will I will bake you cookies that will make you weep. Like wow. like it's like we just went through Christmas time. My God, there is few things that make me happier than just just being in a kitchen baking cookies with an audio book going. That is that is the wow. zone. Yeah, uh, that so is a like, side of you that I am that that i'm so unexpected oh, love it yeah no, multifaceted uh, you are what's your favorite you. cookie uh mine just is a good well-made chocolate chip cookie to me there's, there's a few things more beautiful than that uh i do a specialty one called the spritz that's like a swedish butter cookie that's like oh a yeah recipe and that oh, thing's yeah. the jam like that we that's grew up on spritz okay mm-hmm. Ooh, i've never had this exciting. thing it sounds you great get, you get the like the it looks like a, oh, a thing that you would cock like yes, walls it's a cocking with. uh gun yes hello but but you put the dough in there and it's got oh, yeah. different like oh, i got a good okay, i got a got good it. one too because like my mom and i had a lot of debates over the years oh, about because yeah. they come in different forms sure and so like like literally like she's both like stoked and horrified because i'm making modifications oh no hardware involved you're off the rails but, like i hate the fact that like 
because uh, I am I am at home at the moment through the vid. Sure. Uh, and I think about sometimes how like I hate how high on my list a like standing mixing bowl is mm. for like essential home stuff for me. <laughs> And not realizing how good I've had it for so long with just having one available all the time. Just a mixing uh, bowl, like a mixer, or just you know, a like like bowl? the auto, like the auto mixing one, like, like a KitchenAid, where you, yeah, like a KitchenAid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have one, or you so, don't have one. So it's like you, you do have you, one. So it's like high on your list is. I'm a trying bowl? to like understand. It's like those standing Sorry. mixers, like yeah. where it's like a yeah, mix, metal yeah, yeah. mixing bowl. You strap in and you put the things in, and then cookie dough gets made. You're saying that is your number one essential. No, no, it's not my number one, but it's but it's, it's up there. The fact that it's in the top 25 is, I think, a surprise to everybody. <laughs> well, for the fact that you are not a cooker. Exactly. That's um, very interesting. And have interesting. a ton of bullshit hobbies. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, I relate but, to that okay, 100%. So food-wise. Um, so baking, you're a pro. Baking, yeah. baking cooking, yes, cooking. Very no. comfortable. So with cooking, I can like boil like i i learned how to you make can boil ramen water for myself as a child sure i can make some some scrambled eggs you know yeah, breakfast okay. stuff is within the realm but mm-hmm. like you can keep yourself alive I, yeah i can boil a pasta the problem too <laughs> is like i try to live like he- healthier you know i hit the three zero and was like i'd love to see 50 so we should sure. adjust some things <laughs> and it's a good and, goal and so but it's a little trickier now because like i am at such a different i'm at a diet that is not entirely within my grasp to fully mm. operate on um in terms like, of like executing the preparation yeah, well, of and like i don't do a lot of pasta anymore i don't do a lot right. of bread anymore yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah so like but i also and those are the basics and those that's are easy, the only thing like, you know how to make right yeah exactly and so <laughs> so and and you know i i am a big fan of food i i yeah. have like like anthony bourdain's a big thing for me mm-hmm. and so like that kind of mix of like high food low food just the appreciation is always totally. kind of i approach food like i have i've eaten some very fancy restaurants with friends you know and i've also like we'll just eat garbage in my car's car yeah. at midnight <laughs> i love medium. this this oh, is yeah. um, fantastic. I love the idea of cooking. Uh, mm. I it it's it is in its own way a creative venture, and sure. there's nothing that will get me to buy into your bullshit faster than a potential fun new creative thing to do as I look at my pile of art supplies and movie <laughs> shit and audio gear. Yeah. Um, we I feel like Zoe, we perhaps live similar lifestyles and have similar yeah. horrifying closets. Oh, uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is behind yeah, here? I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I at least three sp- spaces on the, the, the everything's off camera. Thank God. Yeah, uh, same. But uh, and, and so I love the idea of and again being being a fan of of you know stuff like that, like wishing I knew more about it, but not really ever having kind of an in. Like my mom does her mm-hmm. best, but my mom. God bless her hates cooking. And so it's always hard yeah. to get a, too much like enthusiasm for someone who's like, it's a baton death march. Now go make this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to ask. Yeah. Cause you mentioned, you know, you're not even have a lot a of family background there. So yeah. what was dinner? And like again, she makes up? like a motherfucker too. So like, that's the one thing I picked up. That's really interesting. Yeah. So and what was like a normal, like, din- if I can ask, what was like a normal, like back dinner in the day, for you? It was a lot of up? kind of, it was a lot of like, rice aronis and casseroles yeah. and bisquick chicken mm-hmm. and stuff like that and sure. then as as we've kind of everybody started to get healthier and stuff like that both my folks are diabetic and, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of shifted lifestyles you know it's a lot of most of the time it's just like some kind of protein heavy entree and like a fruit fresh fruit or vegetable yeah, um, yeah. is usually kind of how it goes and so like there's stuff within that that i could do on some level i think right. there is 
very little <clears throat> i'm a big uh big education guy i love reading i have a master's in education stuff like that and so oh, like cool. i love a book like i love a book that sits down and gives you a nice road map and stuff like that yeah and i've got a couple but i'm finding that there is a a real lack of intermittent or like intermediate thing where like okay understand basic skills and can do those things don't know how to then put things together to make the thing does that mm -hmm. make sense mm -hmm. like i enjoy yeah. chopping <laughs> i enjoy doing all the things like the motions of it it's it's right. then you put them all together you set shit on fire and then i'm like i am completely out and lost and crying in a corner it's overwhelming yeah, yeah. i feel that i i totally i definitely feel that kyle i i you made a salad hand, dressing. Well, well, you know how I, impressed I was earlier when you flexed when we were all talking before the show, and you were just like, "I made this salad dressing," and I was like, "You, you too, that's legal." You too can make a salad dressing. So what I what I will say is, I I do love cooking. I I am a I, I love I love to cook. I like I think it's fun. It's it is relaxing to me. I think in the same way that baking is really relaxing to you. My favorite thing to do is to put on a podcast and cook a recipe. Um, and I, I don't, I've never been someone that's been interested in like cookbooks because I think the ones that I have been, that I've, I've purchased or been given or whatever have felt like what you're saying, Kyle, where it's, it's too advanced. It feels beyond or my capabilities. Basic. It's, it's, you know, it's either or here's how to boil water or here is French yeah. cuisine. And, and so what I will say, and it's not just because she is my friend and co-host, but <laughs> I will say that Zoe does a really great job with all of her recipes, whether they're uh. recipes for this podcast or some of her recipes on her blog that feel sort of, they, they feel very accessible and they feel like there's, there are rules, but they're not hard and fast. So it's like, you know, a handful of this or mm chop this loosely or, you know, whatever. It's not like, make sure you have exactly this amount. And sometimes there are specific amounts of things like in this recipe that we'll dig into, which is also like, and also play with it, whatever tastes you like. See, and, and so, that, yeah, I think like, that's the kind of stuff, like, cause I enjoy, you know, like stuff that's like well seasoned and stuff like that. My fear is always, like the number of times I've made something and at the end it's like way too salty. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. well, I guess we're going to throw this away. Yeah. Uh, oh, so sad. And uh so it's, you know, and and I guess like the way I should frame it is cuz cuz I've worked for about a decade now as a as a sound engineer as kind of a freestyle gig. Uh I always make the joke that in this industry you're never in in any world like you're never going to be broke if you know how to plug microphones in cuz someone always <laughs> somewhere is going to go please do this for me. And yeah. Uh, but when I first started getting really heavy in there, I was very intimidated about like, oh God, like I don't know compression rates or how to use this equalizer and shit. And I've slowly figured out, it's like, oh, a lot of it's just, you do it by, by ear and you sort of get a general thing that, you know, you're looking for and you mm -hmm. can, and it is a lot less of a science than it appears. Cause there's so many numbers mm -hmm. uh, right. and, and finding that like, and so like, I, I can intellectually be like, okay, like this is probably like anything else where it seems impossible. And you see that there's much more of a feel to it than you think. Yeah. And I think for me, something that's really fun about cooking is being able to, you get to that point where then now you're able to look at a recipe and you're like, oh, I see what this recipe is trying to do. I don't like that flavor. I don't want to put that in. What do I have in my fridge? Oh, I have this other thing. Okay. I'll try that. 
or, mm-hmm. or saying, I really like that flavor. I want more of that. It only asks for one cup. I'm putting two cups in because I know that the dish won't be ruined. It'll taste great because I love that ingredient so much yeah, or I'm whatever. Still in a phase where like, I almost don't even want to have that control yet because I want to be yeah. able to like, mm-hmm. okay, like when this, this is what this is supposed to taste like, or here's, right. you know, cause like, you know, I try a lot of things, you know, I, I am probably one of the least picky eaters you'll meet. Like, you know, I, I'm kind of just down to experience new things and stuff like that. The tricky thing from that sometimes I'm always looking at going like, man, I wish I knew how any of this worked to get mm-hmm. this thing, you know? And so it's, that's one of my kind of hopes in cooking as well as the way I've learned stuff about, you know, sound or writing or mm-hmm. visuals, stuff like that is to get this understanding of like the way those pieces work too. Yeah. It's like, I, like, I, I'm always I'm like, I don't want to be like, oh, I don't like celery. I'm like, look, celery might have some truth in it that I just don't know about. We haven't <laughs> I think it might. Yeah. We might have to change around on that. But anyway, um, it's so interesting. Fine. I love an ant on a log. You don't have to cook it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. crunchy. <laughs> it's crunchy water. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? Right. Like, there's not much that you can. Look, when I stay on. close to celery, I don't have to deal with cucumber, my bitter enemy. Uh-oh. Oh, the other, the other vegetable is just crunch water. And for some reason I'm down for one and not the other. Oh, My yeah, I mean, weird. you got to pick a team, I but guess. But love a pickle. Like, I don't get it's it. Strange. Hmm. Hmm. If it's in a vinegar bath, it's, if it's crying, then you're fine with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe cucumbers are too positive. Yeah, like, they're, they're, too, out. they're like, too mellow. You know, yeah. it's just like ugh. cucumbers listens to too something. much cold play. So we're just never going to be like perfect friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. Um, It's so interesting listening to both of your thoughts. Heather, thank you for what you said about my uh, recipes and approach to cooking. That was really inspiring to hear, by the way, Heather. That was, I was like, you can do this. You can. can. And Heather, I appreciate you saying that because that is my, like, that's one of my big um, things is like, I, I want to help make food and cooking not feel intimidating as I know that Kyle you are not alone tons and tons and tons of people feel that way and and for me like I did grow up in a house where there was always a lot of homemade food and I I think I sort of grew up in the kitchen and was immediately comfortable in that environment and I know that not everyone had that experience and a lot Mm -hmm. of people are really sort of for lack of a better term, like a little anxious around cooking and just, it feels really overwhelming and, and scary and not fun. Um, and so I'm kind of like, one of my missions is to sort of like change all that, but it's interesting because, you know, you touched on a couple things, Kyle, that like, first of all, it's interesting. Okay. There's like so many ideas. I just want to try <laughs> to get a few things out, but, um, if you do other creative things, which I know you do, you can definitely like learn to cook. And I'll make the example of one, especially when I was, I'm a perfectionist at heart and I've had to really work to get over that. And I think it can be really paralyzing for me. And it's been really freeing in sort of my creative journey, if you will, and my various creative things I do is to give myself the freedom to be bad at something at first, Mm. because you really can't get good at something. For me, I have had the experience. I feel like I really can't get good at something if I don't allow myself to first be bad at it, Oh yeah. because you're not just going to immediately know how to do everything. (laughs) You know what I mean? uh, My first comedy album and it was in its execution like the intent in the first place was like we're gonna just open source figure out how to make one of these exactly best case it'll be all right and and that'll be great but like we're gonna figure this out to then be able to do it again and again and stuff like that and so like yeah 
Well, and even we were, you know, we were kind of talking about podcasting in the beginning and just like learning as you go. And they're not oh, yeah. all going to be the most amazing first 25 episodes, episodes don't even like, count as your show. Exactly. <laughs> like you're just kind of warming up, you know, and when I was um, kind of learning more about writing, like that was an idea that was kind of a light bulb moment for me is to like write a shitty first draft that it can be as horrible. It can be the most dog shit thing you've ever written. Just sort of like get something out and then mm-hmm. you can like figure it out from there. Um, along those lines, one thing that my mom said to me is, gosh, it's some, when I was like kind of learning to cook a little bit more when I was a young adult, it's some crazy number. She's like, basically just accept that in your lifetime, you're going to completely ruin beyond any ability to eat it or salvage it at all. And you're going to have to throw it away and order a pizza, 300 meals in your lifetime. So just like, just know that that's That's going to be it. Yeah. And that that way, when that that happens, you don't feel defeated. You're like, great. One less of those, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And I mean, it's obviously discouraging when that happens, especially because like food costs money and like you need to eat. And so it can be really like upsetting or just like stressful when you like something up so badly. We're getting into just full tilt food therapy now. (laughs) I mean, Uh, but it's true. But like, if you have that idea, like you can't, and again, this is a really clumsy metaphor, but like, because they're always like, all right, you need these like five, you know, fresh ingredient things and you just don't have them on hand, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, like, yes, prep is of course like the way to do this advance, but it, mm-hmm. it, you do a, you get all sad because you're all oh, my trash person. Cause I don't have parsley around. Right. Uh, but then the second angle of it is like the having all the stuff is great. But like, I think just based on looking like the other creative ventures I do, like the real trick of it is learning how to do it when you don't have all the stuff. And that's almost kind of like some of the limitation stuff that I'm like curious about. And I feel like, again, it's tricky because so much of the food industry, you know, half of it's practical and the other half is fetishization. And so, you know, you get so many ones where it's like, from your herb garden well, you know, right, that, that right. you built after your divorce go get your your <laughs> stuff together and i'm just like well, i'm like this like, isn't for me like why did this come with a stevie nicks cd oh my gosh right <laughs> well and i mean honestly i have like a pet peeve about like food blogs that are overly like precious is kind of how i think of that and that writing style that's like i was out foraging in the forest today and i couldn't help but be inspired by I just like particular i want to be an awesome mom as much as the next blog but i also <laughs> just like, need to know how it. to make something nice and vaguely nutritious out of a bunch of trash can stuff in my exactly you know, i was gonna call it food garage because i couldn't think of pantry <laughs> you know the food garage the garage <laughs> where you park the food um that's fantastic i also I sometimes refer to salad as the opening band for dinner <laughs> i that's love amazing. that yeah <laughs> i absolutely love it so yeah and what i was gonna say is like it's a clumsy metaphor but you have to like break a few eggs or yeah. whatever to okay. like mm-hmm. learn how to cook you know what i mean like you're gonna fuck it up and that's completely normal and fine and i mean obviously learning how to salvage it is good <laughs> and like but you can't really get better at it until you sort of just like accept that like it's kind of gonna be not that it might not be that great right away okay. and is that and- inspirational or de-inspirational <laughs> no, this is really i'm good. not sure here's my next question and like i will not ruin our conversation about this lovely soup uh <laughs> oh no no you're fine. i like i was gonna cut all this stuff out now i'm just gonna-, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna figure out like how to how to like put this what are ballpark abstractly if you were gonna pitch like three meals or types of meals that are something that would be like easy to learn Mm -hmm. nutritious and like does not require a ton of wild 
in, like that can be built around, for lack of a better term, MacGyver-esque household parts. Oh, can I, like, can for- I throw in one? Go oh, ahead, please, please, yes. The first thing that comes to mind is chili. Okay. That's a great one. I, so chili, one of the couple of things the family does. Okay. Yeah. So which makes sense because you can have, I'm a, I'm a a bean forward chili. Okay. So like you can have a couple cans of beans on hand. If you happen to have fresh or frozen veggies, like I like to throw in bell peppers, an onion, maybe, maybe (laughs) even a squash if you had like Anarchy. butternut squash or something like that you could add sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes and you're gonna get yeah. really hippie with it and then you this can add feeling like more and more of a stew the more vegetables we throw well in. yeah i that's kind of my and we'll talk <laughs> this, about to our, me our, this is a this, this is, is a california chili, a chili that she's talking yeah so <laughs> so you can chili. you know you can throw in um meat if you want to or not so if you happen to have you know some ground ground meat um, that's, you know, easy, to, okay. you know, so, so that feels like something that that's a you, good one. That's, you could have all the things on hand and I maybe forgot chili was food. Yeah. Chili. You know? It doesn't look like it, but it is. <laughs> wow. So here's okay. my pitch about chili. I would say the foundational elements are beans and tomatoes. You can totally have cans of those in your pan, yep. in your food no, garage. Got those on hand. If mm-hmm. you will. And they're parked in there safely. Right. <laughs> Garlic and onions. If you have those great. Got those you around. Know, okay. Whatever. Spices. Um, if you don't have spices, hot sauce. Salt Give me pepper, some like sauce. essential spices. We're getting better at putting spices in the house. I mean, for me, my, my brother has go- become quite the cook, so he is starting to bring in some nice. So I'm sort of like, oh shit, we've got like cinnamon now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you can throw a little <laughs> bit of that in your chili. For yeah. me, the two things that I have after salt and pepper are cumin and red pepper flakes. Okay. Mm. Those are my I'd two like basic things. One of my favorite spices to have on hand is smoked paprika. Okay. And I put that in like everything. That's and a great one that's too. That's on chopped really, a lot. Yeah. That's in chopped. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> love a food competition show. Oh, again, I love sure. Again, just because I'm like these wizards. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you say chili because one of the ca- things that came to mind for me is like tacos or burritos because I feel like that could include so many things. It can have mm-hmm. meat or not. You can okay. like quickly brown up some ground beef or like make a, a steak little success if you want or past. chicken you've made mistakes with tacos or burritos uh, uh, past, uh, uh, no no i was saying that's something i i've done in the past oh like you've um, had success with yeah. yeah and i feel like that's very versatile you can add tons of like veggies like lettuce tomato you know avocado whatever all that or just like jarred salsa yeah mm-hmm. also with chili both chili and tacos and burritos cheese obviously you can smother mm-hmm. it with cheese so nothing wrong with that um, you can always make a quick cornbread, which ties into your baking. Cornbread Ooh, is a really okay. quick thing to make. So I was now I'm more on the chili. If you're making chili, you can do mm-hmm. like a cornbread with it, which is pretty easy and quick and fun. Um, but yeah, and like even with the whole tacos and burritos thing, like sometimes I'll do like a taco bowl and like do more veggies or whatever, but like still do taco fixings on top. So that's like an easy thing. Um so that was one that I was going to say okay. too. Sidebar, how great is the term fixings? Fixings is all you want in life. When you drop that's a great. G and it just becomes fits and fixings. Fixings. Few, few things will get me ready to order or go to your restaurant more than if fixings like, ooh, are fixins. an option attached. Like that. Hello. My favorite part in. of the country to tour is the South just because I mean, of the I mean, sheer, I love the South. Just, I am, a, I am a whore for Southern food. So I will literally just, <laughs> plan towns i'm like oh i hear they've got a good thing i love it to not cough on mike no you're good (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, something's happening with his voice. Um, <laughs> another, die. another thing that's great is just things roasted on a roasting pan, which can mm. be vegetables. You can add spices. You can not add spices. You can add pesto. You can add whatever you want. I actually like to make a soup where I just take any root vegetable that I have, maybe like a, a chili or something like that. Again, garlic and onion, if you want, I'll roast it maybe with a few spices and then I'll just blend it in a blender with water and then it's soup. And oh. And it's like so in super easy, super easy, super so easy. I know you hate puns, so oh no, that was a good out. one. Um, <laughs> I hate puns except when they are used in a potential advertising situation. So you're <laughs> solid. We're selling yes. a lifestyle brand here, and Absolutely. I love it, and I want to be a part Absolutely. of it. <laughs> yeah, I can run the audio for your headphone Britney Spears mics when we do Amazing. the seminars in the future. Yes. Amazing, I'm in. <laughs> Acolyte number two. I suddenly can't think of anything else that I eat. <laughs> so what comes to mind is like roasting a whole chicken. Although I intuitively know that that's too much probably, but it's actually a lot easier than it sounds. And it, oh my God, honestly, if there's one thing I could recommend you do, it's roast go roast a chicken, a chicken because okay. I think that you will feel so good about yourself afterwards mm. that it will really like give you the confidence to continue on. Okay. Just make mm. sure that it's cooked. <laughs> and don't give yourself food poisoning, but don't gotcha. worry about okay. that. You're not going to do that. It's going to be great. All right. That well, is my you. wish this for is, you. My God, this is gotten so much out of this. Also, I'm honestly like obsessed with talking about food and cooking. So like Zoe is, she knows all of the cookbooks. She like loves cookbooks and reads them, which yeah. I don't know how to say that in a way that isn't like, I don't, I don't know how oh, to do that. <laughs> it's very nerdy. So there's no like cool way to say it. And that's yeah. totally oh. fine. It's, it's beyond insane. I probably own like 400 cookbooks. It's crazy. I also work at a cookbook store part-time now. So well, like, that seems like you're just, you know, I feel like I'm worst like, enemy there. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. That's it's, like working for the heroin dealer. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just like, don't pay me. I'll just like take some, it's, it's insane. I'm just like, take my paycheck. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but it's been, anyway, it's interesting. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on cookbooks, obviously, but it's funny. Oh, yeah. We got to get you on for like, a cookbook. This is rad. This is, oh awesome. my gosh. I'm totally down. It's funny hearing you, both of you talk about just not finding the right cookbook because it, it like it hurts my body. I'm like, I, the desire to like find the right cookbook that you're well, going to love. Is and like that's what I was going to say. Me. That's what I was going to say. Zoe, you may not know it off the top of your head, but I'm sure, I mean, you literally have it in your hands right now. So that, you know, I don't Kyle, know what take that notes. first word is. This is just one that happened to be sitting on the floor <laughs> next to where we're recording. Odolangeli um, simple. This is the name of a ver of like a fame. Uh, yeah, famous. This is like a famous food writer. He owns a bunch of restaurants in London and he's like, it's like Middle Eastern cuisine, but this oh. is his book. That's it's his simple. So it's a little bit more scaled down. Um, Will you say the title of it? Odalangi is his Odalangi, name. Okay. I'm probably not even saying that right, but that's, mm. it's a name. His name is Yotam Odalangi. Um, and he's a London-based author. Anyways, it is one. It's a great cookbook. It might, I might not be the one, but it might be the one. And it, if it's the one, then that's just funny that it was right there. But um, <laughs> I feel like, and I mean, it's interesting because I consider myself not a super advanced cook. I'm not really into like super technique intensive things. In fact, it's also funny to me to hear you talk about baking because like baking is my weakest point. Like I don't really consider myself to be that great of a baker. Um I'm much more in the camp of like, 
of just like throw it together. Like if a recipe is overly complicated, that annoys me too. And I do like project cooking sometimes. And if the, there's like yeah, something that's, that's like a like, specific thing, like it sure. It feels but, like there's a Legos in here somewhere with cooking for me where there's some part of it that's just like, this is going to take a t- weird amount of focus and a lot of directions. But in the end of it, there's going to be a thing. Well, there, there's always, yeah. And I mean, like, sure, I'll hand make dumplings once in a while because that's something that's like a project and it takes a long time, but it's very mm-hmm. rewarding. And then at the end, you have like 50 dumplings in your freezer. You know what I mean? But that's not my dream, like, recipe. My dream recipe is something that, like, takes 30 minutes. In a freezer, like, <laughs> recipe one in the cookbook. You know, it's just like, make one, 200 dumplings by hand. It's like, that's too much, obviously. But anyways, I still prefer a recipe that's like, has less than 10 ingredients ingredients and I can like do in a reasonable amount of time but has like a lot of flavor per mm-hmm. sort of like amount of energy that I had to put that in. sounds fantastic like that that's sounds like, like my dream, dream. There. <laughs> like one of my favorite recipes like going back to that is just like you know maybe a nice seared like flank steak with like a green herb sauce okay. and that's it and again you can throw that in a taco you can throw that with some roast potatoes and suddenly you have like a really nice meal and it was yeah. super easy anyway I think, yeah like I think like the big goal is because I think it'll get there like I trust it. it it doesn't quite have the sexiness of acrylic paint but like <laughs> it's getting there but like the big goal is like I want to have some version of that unlock like before I have kids like that's like mm. that's like ultimately Fair. the big goal is like dad needs to be able to like make a thing that is not garbage for them like have yeah. some of those in the pocket and so like that's, well, that's you don't want to poison your children yeah Wait, ideally yeah that's the goal <laughs> one of my other go-to meals i mean i know you mentioned you're kind of trying to move away from like pasta but one of my go-to quick meals is like a whole wheat pasta of some kind with just a shitload of like spinach or arugula or something like that just literally like mixed in after you drain the pasta and then like some parm and some lemon juice and salt and pepper and oh, yeah. you know, red pepper flake and that's it you can add green beans, which I apparently am obsessed with. They've been on like every episode <laughs> of the podcast, but that's another trick that I love is like something like a green bean or a broccoli, something that's like a tender veggie like that, or asparagus, add that to your pasta two minutes before your pasta is done cooking and then just drain it together. And it's all done at the same oh. time. That's one of my favorite. I can okay, see, I can see the, your, your brain calculating whole, yeah, all like, that. Like it's, yeah, they, you've <laughs> lost me as a guest. I am now but a student. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't want to get too, like, so stop no, me this if is you've neat. heard like, this I, one. Yeah, but this I could is... talk about this shit, like, all night. So. It's, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I'm slowly siren song you just into it turning into my podcast. Where it's like, you want to do another <laughs> three hours on it? We can find some it weird riffs. It transforms, like, people wake up on your podcast feed yeah. and they're like, what happened? Uh, it happens. Um... Uh, <laughs> But uh, well, this this has been truly inspired. So thank you. Um, yeah, for sure. No, because yeah, it, no. it's uh, I'll have to come back sometime and do another one um, when when I have a, a better use of time management. Oh yeah, no, I totally get it. So <laughs> listener, if you haven't caught on by now, Kyle did not complete his full homework assignment, which is totally fine. Um, so we still the love him. journey was not made. We still love him. Like I said, sure. ain't no credit, like partial credit. That's right. <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, Zoe, I don't think we've actually, we've hinted at, but we haven't actually talked about the recipe itself. We have not. Yeah. Will you tell us about this recipe and its inspiration? So the recipe is what I call Monica's mushroom minestrone. Apologies for the alliteration. Um, (laughs) So it's basically inspired by- (laughs) 
It's Hates puns, loves alliteration. I'm a, I'm a, a you know, enigma wrapped person. in a question yeah. mark. Uh, we can be multifaceted. <laughs> I used, I love alliteration so much that I used to passive aggressively put it in college essays. I love that. Like it became a real fucking shitty game. Was to just see if I could put a bunch of weird, unnecessary alliteration in parts of it, just to see if they're really reading. If you can get away with it, you're like, but it all made sense. So I love it. Um, but yeah, so this was inspired by the scene where Monica is like chopping off, and like I feel like this is both sort of a '90s TV and movies thing. It's maybe it's also just a TV and movies thing in general, where like someone's cooking, and so there's just like fresh vegetables like as far as the eye mm. can see on their counter which i think is kind of funny so there's a little hint of that there so that's not cooking in real life then i mean it's one strategy i'm not sure how it like comes to fruition but um she just has like everything that she's chopping i noticed she's like chopping mushrooms she has like a full loaf of bread there and she's like stirring something in a pot and it's never really like said what it is but for some reason minestrone also feels very like 90s to me i don't know mm-hmm. it was like my go to like Shoney's order or I was about whatever. To say, feels very <laughs> Cheesecake Factory's heyday. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that was, I think I ate that at a lot of like sort of one step <laughs> above like all you can eat buffet restaurants as yeah. like a child. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Such lifestyles we've shared. <laughs> oh, exactly. Good times. So um, so that's anyway, that's what I went with. So yeah, I just went with a a um, minestrone, which I don't feel like typically necessarily has mushrooms, but I added mushrooms because mm-hmm. Monica's chopping all these mushrooms and I thought it would be interesting so yeah it's basically onion carrot celery you kind of get that sauteing in a big pot add garlic your other kind of flavor mobiles which are um some fennel seeds some oregano rosemary thyme or just like an italian herb mix is fine um smoked paprika for Heather, mm-hmm. um, red pepper flakes. And those are kind of the, the flavor base, um, which I w- was inspired by kind of like an Italian direction with that. And then um, mushrooms, a can of kidney beans, a can of diced tomatoes, and a cup of whatever small shape pasta you have. I had a pasta that I think is called Didalini, which is just like, they're like, it's like a tiny short tube. So it's like a macaroni, but just really short. I um, will be honest, just because of the name, for whatever reason, it made me think they were tiny little like Devo helmets. Amazing. <laughs> I'm in. I wish. But like you could use elbow macaroni. You can use whatever. Small, you can use really any pasta shape. Yeah. yeah. Such um, as shape like Devo hat. Exactly. You know, write that down. <laughs> Trademark it. Um, and then just some vegetable broth and the fresh veggies are the green beans and cabbage. Yeah, that's it. Cabbage in a soup. Yeah. Yeah. Going a little, okay. I actually love cabbage in a soup. And I will say I cut down on the amount of tomatoes a little bit because I know that Heather isn't necessarily the biggest tomato head. So Heather, tell me about your experience, if you would be so kind. With tomatoes or yes. I want to hear the tomato one, thing. Childhood. No, I, I do love tomatoes. They I just met with the recipe, but sure, <laughs> tomatoes are fine too. Uh tomatoes don't react I well with my insides. I had visions of like so. Heather's yeah. family being killed by the attack of the killer tomatoes, tomatoes. How did you know? Kyle. <laughs> I Stop. saw the footage. I saw the documentary. Oh my god. Blood no. Oh wait, that was just sauce. No, it was just tomato sauce. No, I, I, I wish I could eat more <laughs> tomatoes, but my insides will not let me. So I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this recipe was 
great. I mean, it was, uh, I, I do love making a soup. Broth is something that I have in my food garage pretty regularly. Sure. And God, so I hope this sticks around. <laughs> it's the best. I, I hope I have, have just coined a catchphrase for the show. Oh yeah. And so I want my cooking show to be called just food garage. <laughs> food garage. And I want to produce it. Let's do this. <laughs> so, so broth is something that I have and canned beans of different types are things that are staples in my, in my food garage. And so mm-hmm. I will often feel like I have too many veggies on hand or that they're going to go bad, you know, or just that kind of, I I tend to have like food anxiety about, oh, I have too much and it's going to go bad. And so a soup for me is something that's really easy to just throw together. Um, And so it was really exciting doing this recipe. I've never made a minestrone. I've never put pasta in a soup before. So that Mm. was that was fun as well as your method of adding the spices. I never know with soup when to add the spices mm-hmm. because I want to taste them, but oh, when there's, right, it's so interesting, <laughs> but when there's so many things that I think they can get lost. And so what I really appreciated about this is, as you said, you've got the, um, the onion, the carrot, and the celery that sort of cook down until the onions become sort of translucent and cooked. You add the garlic and then all of the spices and sort of let it cook a little bit until you start to really smell everything. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think I've done that before. I think I've added maybe the spices at that time, been like cool and then moved on. Mm-hmm. But I liked letting them cook a little bit because the flavors really come out. Yeah. And then you add everything else. And that was awesome. And I I really could taste all of the, the spices that I put in, which, which was really exciting. And it gave, it made the broth so flavorful, Yeah, which, you know, it's just a boxed broth, totally. which are historically mediocre. Right. And so for it to have this really full flavor was really exciting. Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I like to do is add the flavor units or whatever, like the spices <laughs> and garlic and the aromatics, you might call them yes. at that phase where Kyle like writes down flavor yeah. units, question mark. <laughs> flavor units? Hmm, let me look into that. Equals question mark flavor crystals. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how do I get these into my food garage? Um, related sure. to Cinnaburst. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, There's I like one that. person who's listening to your show is like, that's a real specific gum joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for. You gotta love it. <laughs> this episode um, sponsored by Cinnaburst. Cinnaburst. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like to add the flavor units, if you will, <laughs> at that time <laughs> where they're so like, it's that thing. I don't want to add them just to the plain oil. You know, I don't want to just start with garlic and oil because then it'll just burn and then uh, it ruins it. But once the veggies are already in there kind of getting sauteed, then you can add the spices and whatnot in and they do kind of like bloom in the like hot oil before you add everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did want to just make sure that this soup was super again super sorry very (laughs) flavorful um I think soup can sometimes kind of be a little I love soup but I think it can kind of be a little boring or totally whatever so I just wanted to and Heather you and I've kind of talked about oh you can make like a veggie dump soup or this and Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of ways to just make a quick soup but to make it something that 
honestly, and maybe this is it to make it something that's like worth following a recipe. Yeah. Soup does soup really need a recipe? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But to like make it something that's actually like a, a, you know, worth actually reading a recipe. I wanted it to be just like really flavorful and a really good soup. So Zoe, the level of conviction you have in your love (laughs) that you can just throw out the term vegetable dump soup (laughs) and not have to stop and giggle like a child for a moment. Power through like a goddamn professional is truly an inspiration to both me and the children. Thank you. I try to take myself very seriously. Because I checked out immediately. I was like, (laughs) like, I'm out. (laughs) Well, I'm 13 again. Pardon me. Vegetable dump is what you have the next day. Exactly. Okay. Thank you for coming down to my level. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, I started on the chili. Anyway, go on. The... The soup was was really great. The problem that I encountered was feeling a little extra confident and being like, this looks like a cup of mm. veggies. This, this looks is like why a you cup. don't cook in sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty cool. And I just sort of <laughs> threw some things in. And I when I started, I was like, this isn't enough carrots and celery. Right. It's only one of each and I wanted more. So I didn't go crazy, but I put in, I think two of each, maybe three of each. Whoa. I was like, slow down. But also the, my onion I think was huge. And so I was, I was looking at the pot and it was like 90% onion. And then my one carrot, I was like, I need a little diversity here. And so then I added a couple more of those and everything was going fine. And then I remembered the green beans and cabbage. And when I added those in, I ran out of broth. And so sure. it did become a stew, which is my personal preference. I like a sure. chunky soup. Yeah. Finally, she admits it. <laughs> Pro stew trying to get us to make stew the whole time. <laughs> Success. Love so I, I was... I was pleased. So I actually had a friend. I made the soup for a friend who was over. And as I was serving it for myself, I thought, oh, there's it's we may need to kind of dig for some of the the broth. And then so she and I sort of stole all the broth. And then my my husband and his mom went into the kitchen to get some soup as well. And Will goes, where's the soup? <laughs> because it was just basically, like you know, stir fry at that point. boiled veggies. Um, he ate it and loved it. What? Our, our listeners. Oh my gosh. Will pretty much turns his nose to all of our recipes. Uh, but he, I'm sorry, he, this is for me too, because I low key, I'm just like trying to like wear him down to eat my food. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, go on. He did really enjoy it. Wow. And, uh, and so did mom. Mom had two bowls. So that was great. great. And, um, Will doesn't eat leftovers, but mom and I finished the leftovers. So, okay. Um, <laughs> your damn leftovers. <laughs> Did you end up adding more water or no? So I did make, I made more broth. I had, um, you know, a bouillon and I used that to make some more broth. broth. So it's funny, Heather, because even when I made it, I, it was a little low on the broth. So Mm -hmm. I think I maybe added a little bit more water. Yeah. And it's funny. Another side note, because you mentioned that it's so hard to take 
pictures of soup because yeah. it's one of the worst things to take it pictures looks of. Like vomit. I'm sorry. And, or it just looks like nothing. You yeah. Because everything's like inside underneath yeah. the mm-hmm. surface of the lake of your soup or whatever. Um but Throw the pictures pro in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one that's waterproof. Submerse, yeah. Um yeah, you need a submersible for sure. But when I took my the photos that I took, it was before I added the extra like water. Cause so it was like super chunky, but like at least that helped it look a little bit oh more sure like vegetable versus just like plain liquid or whatever and then I think I added more water after that but anyway so even without adding more veggies than the recipe called for it was like borderline not soupy enough so yeah could definitely yeah. recommend adding water but I love or whatever yeah I loved the the green beans in it those were really delightful I never buy cabbage. I have now I have mm-hmm. half a cabbage and I don't know what to do with, but I thought that that was a, you don't really notice it in there, which is kind of great. I felt like if you're trying to, I don't know what nutritional things cabbage have besides it's fiber. It makes you more Irish, I believe. Oh yeah. Perfect. So watch mm-hmm. out for that. I mean, it's a great thing. I mean, <laughs> well, there is always the danger of Irish poison. <laughs> sure. You never know. <laughs> So, so that was, that was, yeah, the, the cabbage was pleasant and I thought overall, I mean, it was a great soup and I, I think it, it didn't feel like it was trying to do anything crazy. Like you said, it it felt like it's a, it's a soup that I can make again and follow the recipe. Like it was good enough that I want to follow this recipe, not Hmm. just go off on my own. Right. uh, As a, you know, a vegetable dump soup. (laughs) double dipping nice um yeah that's great um oh yeah I was gonna say about the cabbage I actually think for me cabbage is one that I like to have in the drawer because it'll just sit there for so long I mean if you have like vegetable anxiety like don't even worry about it like it's good to just hang out for probably an insanely long time and I am definitely guilty of like if I pull it out and the cut edge looks shitty just like cut that off and you're fine I mean obviously if it's like rotten rotten yeah don't eat it it's like a liquid vegetable then it is a very sturdy it's like the potato of greens like it doesn't really do much it does not go quickly so so that's like something that Kyle could buy and have in his refrigerated cabbage confidence exactly you can you can add it to you can chop it up add it to roast vegetables you can add it to any kind of soup and stew you can use it fresh however you want you can um like slice it super thin and make a little add some like lime juice and put that on your tacos Mm -hmm. yeah exactly there you go it's a very versatile and sturdy vegetable which is nice I like the term sturdy vegetable. That's good. She's mm-hmm. a sturdy vegetable. It's, yeah. It feels like respectable. Just, you know, slap it like it's an old car. Like, yeah, just like yeah. it's got substance to it. Exactly. It's the Camry of as vegetables. I'll, yeah. As it'll knock over a school bus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's a great one. Well, good. I'm so um, happy that it went well. And Heather, you mentioned you had leftovers. So mm-hmm. I guess it left. I mean, that soup is a perfect vehicle for leftovers. Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. leaves, it leaves over very well. Yeah. Um, I, and you, said you might make again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Great. And, uh, you suggested, or maybe just, I inferred from your picture having a nice loaf of bread with it. That was I, like a, a nod to Monica and her mm, full mm-hmm. loaf of bread in the episode. Will requested garlic bread Ooh, and nice. that was a game changer. 
That dipping the garlic right. bread into the soup yeah. because uh, it that was feels like the way the world intended, especially yeah. with kind of the Italian or the faux mm-hmm. Italian, the Cheesecake Factory Italian vibe, you <laughs> oh know, God. the Olive yeah. Garden vibe, whatever. Oh yeah. So That's that that was awesome. Minstroni soup with a, with a good garlic bread, and then for your the you know the other folk, you order a Chinese chicken salad. Oh yeah, so, and, there you and, go, which has your cabbage in it yeah. as well. And then you just just enjoy the frosted tips on the partner you're eating with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so good, such good times. Yeah, great. We did well, it, I think. I think we did it. Yeah. I think we I think we did it. Um, let's see. Do we have anything else we want to share in our vegetable therapy or otherwise? Kyle, <laughs> now that we've talked about the recipe, mm-hmm. you know, what are your thoughts? Would you maybe it's, attempt it? Seems doable. I I uh, I could see me and the girlfriend trying this out because the yeah, fam's not big on the minstroni, but like sure. she this seems right in her wheelhouse. So so I think this might be she's big on trying to get me into this as well. So so I'm I think sure, her yeah. and I might throw down on this. Nice. There you go. I like it. Well, you'll you have to gave us a back. date night. <gasps> yes. You're welcome. <laughs> now, then you just have to do the crossword puzzle as you sit in her lap afterwards. Oh, dear God, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the full tribute. Um, well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks um, for having me. We've mentioned your podcast, but yeah. tell people where they can find you on the internet. And if yeah. you want to promote anything, feel free. Uh, I'm at Kyle Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I, I don't use Twitter a ton to tweet things, but if you like me on a podcast, that's the best way to shout out at me. It might take a day or two. I am a very old man when it comes to Twitter. Uh, Instagram, <laughs> I'm starting to use again. Uh, I'm actually using it as a place to post my artwork uh, nice. that I've been doing during COVID. So cool. if you want to see some real uh, amateurish, but fun art, go ahead. And then uh, as far as the real things go, like uh, I've got a podcast called This Is Rad and it's uh, people come on and they talk about a thing they like uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's a simple concept that can spread out in a million different directions. We've done everything from that. Uh, we just recently had somebody come on and they wanted to do porno comics, but we've also done episodes on t- uh, the process of tiling, like laying down tile. Whoa. Wow. Uh, to what was the, what's, we've had some uh, computer say or uh, a computer security, like just, just kind wow. of, all, you know, but then also like people like that. Yeah. But also we have a whole episode <laughs> on Shit's Creek. Like, so Amazing. it's, it, oh, yeah. it, I love this. Uh, it, my favorite thing about the show is asking people, you know, once they're down to do the show, like, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Because it's so fun. Just the, the wide breadth of things that people talk about. And I love and that. it's, it's really become a show that is about sort of just like learning to get to know each other. Cause you mm-hmm. know, so many podcasts, especially when we started, we're like kind of just dunking on pop culture stuff. And I was like, yeah. I like a lot of things that don't get me wrong. I love making fun of things, but like, like I also <laughs> like a lot of stuff. And yeah. I think like most of my best friendships have been built around like something random that we both like that evolves yeah. into something else. And so I always kind of like that. It's like, okay, well, we're starting off the show on something that, you know, either we got in common or I'm going to learn. So it's been, it's, it's, you know, I've been doing it for, for almost 10 years now. And it's a real, one of the better things that's happened in my life. So, so there's that. Uh, I have a horror podcast. that's just me and two gal pals talking about movies called everything is scary. It's a fun show too. Nice. Uh, and then uh, the last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll senselessly shill. Uh, I have a uh, two comedy records on, on uh, iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. Uh, I will, I'll promote the most recent one, uh, but it's uh, it's called absolute terror. I recorded <laughs> it in Atlanta, Georgia at the end of 2018. It came out 2019. Nice. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it's, I mean, if you want to, 
here as I've talked about comedy so much in this, like what I'm talking about with what I like, like it's yeah. very much that. A lot of stories about my family and a lot of nice. uh, a story. I have many members of my family who are missing fingers to the point where I oh. did not know that that was a weird thing until I was much too old. <laughs> Wow. Whole, whole, whole chronicling of my family's history there. Uh, I also have an aunt who was a real party animal during her pregnancy. Uh, oh, no. And, oh, no. and I recount a wild story of hers. And the best part is she is there. She came out to my recording. <laughs> yes. And so she is hearing the bit in real time. And I walked off stage after the show and the guy who was running the show had two shots of whiskey. And I was like, hell yeah. And he's like, nah, man, this is for your fucking aunt. <laughs> uh, and so it's a real fun show. So it's called Absolute Terror. Uh, and yeah, it's on, on Spotify and, and iTunes and Apple Music and all that kind of wherever so so check that out i'm very proud of that so this is rad and absolute terror um i try to keep busy and i like attention so it's usually me talking i get it <laughs> That's great. Um, i feel like i'm in good company here yeah yeah <laughs> um i will say too i love the i love the concept of your podcast and i feel like it really ties back to our conversation about comedy and just like kind comedy and like you know let's at least use that as a starting point of like what's something that you like let's like connect over that you can mm -hmm. go a lot of different you know it doesn't all have to be you know yeah. super happy and friendly or whatever you know but yeah anyways, I and love it's that, yeah that tie-in to that kind of whole concept too totally and it's such a it's it was fun to get chat with you because it's so rare that I get to boil it down to that in things and it is such a to me like interesting concept that that yeah you know doesn't get explored from that angle as much thinking about it mostly because thinking mm -hmm. about comedy is the least fun thing in the world uh, and only <laughs> broken people who can't not do it do it i mean uh. yeah so it's funny <laughs> that you were saying you started like doing art classes during the pandemic because heather and i started taking comedy writing classes during the pandemic cool. oh, right, on. Yeah. right after we had like graduated from clown school i don't know if you can like graduate from clown school it's because it's yeah. clown school but you know it's clown college please <laughs> you know <laughs> what we went so Indeed. anyways so so yeah so that's, well, that's been awesome. the thing that we've been kind of nerding out on um since then so super fun to nerd out um, oh yeah about that then, with you. come on come on this is rad because 90 percent of it is just defaults into that it's I love <laughs> it. I'm, uh, I'm about it yeah um, i've ruined television for my partner he oh my cannot God. like it's, enjoy tv anymore because he just knows what's gonna happen and mm -hmm. I, I like well there's a three beat there's a this, you know whatever so. i i don't watch most stuff anymore because i'm just not fun like, yeah, yeah. so there's like five shows that I watch many of them are old things I'm finally catching up on that I hear are good like it's just like at this point it's just Bob's Burgers and Letterkenny are the only two things I'm not a Love monster it. about yeah <laughs> well it's that joke too of like if a comedy person thinks something's really funny they don't laugh they're just like that's funny it's I, I cannot <laughs> I, I have really disappointed friends before with that mm -hmm. reaction you're like no that's really funny oh, that's, like, actually, that's how i react i actually think funny. partners yeah. get more bummed by that like when you're when your partner does something funny and you give them like that's really funny or like i feel like a monster every time i go it's a good bit right there like yeah. when I say something because i'm like i'm sorry i am a monster and i can't stop you can't turn it off i will say though if i try to run a joke by him he just gives me this expression like when's the joke gonna start and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, brutal. <laughs> so he's Some just of... as tough as an audience. Well, you, know, you got to maybe deal with that heckler a little bit. Put him in his place first. <laughs> yeah. Some of my favorite things I've written have gotten Alex's stamp of approval, which oh, are yeah. like little jokes that he'll be like, so through Zoe, I'll hear that he laughed and I'm like, I've made it. <laughs> That's how I feel when Will actually eats the food that I, there you go. I, anyway, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Well, um, you can find us on Instagram. We're at friends with food pod. We're on Twitter at friends W 
food pod. Uh, you can like our Facebook page, check out our website at friendswithfoodpod.com for all the show notes and the recipes and the links and the stuff and the things. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends friends how much you love our show if you try out our recipes let us know how it goes share your pictures tag us use the hashtag friends with food pod our original artwork is by chloe kendall and theme song by elliot friesen if you are watching along the next episode is the one with rachel's inadvertent kiss we are your hosts i'm zoe and i'm heather now go find some friends and make them some food going to take it again but heather feel free to edit it however you'd like i'm I'm probably going to keep a lot of that in great so i I will give you the option of trying one more time if you would like jesus christ (laughs) you better leave all of this in 100 (laughs) percent just great to know that i will never be the most famous kyle comedian because kyle canane exists so we're just good to go Um, perfect but he then has the best joke ever which is uh, you've never met an old kyle so we're all marked for death (laughs) That's funny. Good. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> name one old man you've met named Kyle. There's none of them. I'm actually fascinated by that. Right? Oh, it was real upsetting when I heard the bit for the first time. I was like, ah! oh, I'm extra <laughs> invested in this. Audience, you find this humorous. I've just been told that there's a stamp at the end of my life. Uh-uh. Could this uh, affect my seed situation? Just Do you have a home garden? Who's well, oh, 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 baby, maybe you should stock up. Who knows? So let us get it. Let, 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 let so, us. And oh, yeah, I am. What? No. Oh, we not. see you. You're loud and clear. Can you guys hear me? We sure mm-hmm. can. We could this whole time. You were always with us. It says my connection's unstable. You guys oh. froze. Sorry. Oh. Well, great. Did you go friends. to an accredited clown college or did you get your clown associate? Let me ask you this. Is there such a thing? <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> Zoe did I'm... recently put her her certificate of completion up in her office i got a promotion at work and so i brought my clown school certificate and hung it on the wall of my office that's pretty awesome (laughs) it is i mean it doesn't apply to my job at all but But it's nice to be able to hang up a degree and if you're watching along the next episode is something that i wrote down and i put it on a different set of notes perfect because that is how I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I was oh, going to stall for you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I watched both of you look away from the screen. I'm like, Ooh. I will help. <laughs> Fill in the silence. I love to do that as well. Uh, but oh, yeah, then. Yeah. Oh, no, Zoe. Whatever you said didn't come through. Carrot. Carrot. I think it's like the pivot joke. Oh, yeah. Thank you. you I was frozen. just yelling. Okay. It Can was you hear great. Me now? Yeah, yeah I was it just was yelling really great in the style of pivot. That's all. It was, it was great. Anyway. <laughs> um, was it? Anyway, go on. It wasn't. And here we are. So then I was happy to be part of it all. 